And good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. This is what it sounds like when you spend an entire weekend yelling at your kids. And you're like, I kind of still have my voice by the time I get back to Monday. And then you realize, right, I don't get a day off. I talk every day of the week. And then I got to go back and yell at my kids some more. So deal with it. I'm in a good mood, Tim. I'm in a really good mood today. That's sure? No, this actually is okay. a good mood. <laughs> That's where I am. It is a, a Monday edition of the program. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. And yes, Tim Barbalace, Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan. He has joined us in studio. It's good to see you, buddy. Hey, man. Always good hanging out. Everything good? Can't complain. A little tired, but you What'd know, you do? What'd you get into? What'd you get into this So weekend? this morning, uh-huh. well, weekend... I actually had a little bit of a party Saturday. Oh, look at you! Yesterday was kind of like at, a, look at you. You know, Sunday scaries. See, I don't actually. Tim, are you still like at the point in your life where you really like rage um, on the weekends? Define rage. I was. I'm trying to think about when. So that I'm ended 27. For me. Right. I'm trying to think about when that ended for me. It probably didn't end for me until I was about 30. Yeah. At least 30. Maybe even somebody would argue. Until I got married. I mean, we, we get after it, but I'm more of like a house party guy. No, no, I'm not talking about like going out. clubbing. I oh, mean, for yeah, the F's yeah, sake. Yeah. I mean, God, yeah, I, that sounds I, wretched. I've legitimately, I mean, it sounded wretched when I was 20. Yeah, I've never yeah. been to a club in my life. So. Well, okay, that's a, I mean, that's yeah, different. <laughs> like, when you say you've never been to a club in your life, like at all, you've never gone to anything that <sighs> someone would qualify as a club. Because that's also weird. It seems like you'd have to purposely go out of your way to not ever visit a club. So I guess the only club I've been to, we went on a trip to Cancun, CheapCaribbean.com. I know know it sounds sketchy as hell. Dude, it was like dirt Hey, man, you got to keep one of your kidneys, and that's pretty good. It was, uh, gosh, what was this? It pretty much was a club, but it was like a bar. They had like a little bit of okay, a show like going were, on. When you turned twenty, like frog when you turned twenty-one, you never wandered down to like uh, the, the Angels Rock Bar. No. Or I don't even know if that's still a thing. Is that still a thing? I've never even heard of that. Where is it at? That was in Power Plant. Like, that was a, that so was a nice hangout spot. Plan, but where would I, you I guess, go? Because everything's different there. <sighs> like, some of those places are just bars. Yeah, like PBR is kind of like a bar, yeah, I guess. I yeah. PBR is a little bit closer yeah. to a, you know, a club. It, it kind of. It's fringe. Right? It's fringe. I don't know. Maybe I'm realizing that clubs don't exist anymore. Maybe that's yeah. what I really learned here is that nobody goes out dancing. Like, like here, here's my thing, though. Like, I've never been to, I guess, how I imagine it. Or like is Mosaic move- still a thing? That I mosaic, I do know mosaic. Is that still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of like the the rope off, red wolf, the, uh, the line going yeah, yeah, yeah. in. The like, whole hey, thing. Uh, this amount of guys to this amount of girls. Like I don't know. Okay, I've so never... I I never I purposely never went somewhere where I would have had to have waited in a line. Like okay. I would have never. Right. You could have never gotten me to agree to visit such an establishment. Okay. Now we would go to places where we like knew the person at the door. Sure, and you can walk in, and then we could just waltz in. Like we would go to those types of places. I also. I remember the first time, so I, I knew a young lady who was working oh. at uh, one of these establishments, and I was like, hey, what if I bring some friends out on Saturday night? And she was like, okay, cool. Right? And I'm thinking, because you know, then we had a, like a little thing. Okay. I'm thinking like, yeah, I, I got this, right? And then I show up, and she's gotten us bottle service, and I didn't realize that like there was a $500, like the bottle itself that's not was, okay. Now we had like this private area, and we had this like. So I'm, I'm thinking like, look at me, man. Like yeah. everybody thinks I must be the man, right? Yeah. Like I know this chick. Like we got a thing going on. Like, and then like I get informed 
when the check came. Well, the thing should have been consummated. Five hundred. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well Five hundred dollars. Well. For, well, that part was taken care of. Um. Yeah, I I was not a big. I was never really into the club. That was never yeah. really my scene no. necessarily. But I did at least. I at least know from having attended. No, I'm. Mean, yeah, you just sort never. of never. Right. I mean, I don't know if we're really going to go down this path, but sort like I've oh, been... we can go down lots of paths. <laughs> okay, what are we going to do? Talk yeah, about uh, sports? Yeah, come on. No, I, I, so I've never even been to a strip club. Now this, is... <laughs> <laughs> I we're going down the path. Do your so friends I, hate you? Did they not? I so <laughs> like not again. No. <laughs> not because I think strip clubs are like really fun places to hang out, dude. But just to, to have gone, so, to have ex- <laughs> experienced it. And well, be able to talk about it in conversation. Uh, okay, here, here's my... This is, a, this is a bigger issue to me than, like... It's fine if you came in and said, dude, the strip club's not really for me. Like, good. Yeah. That's probably for the best. That's kind of my vibe. So, uh, there's really levels to this story. Yeah. So, I, I thought it was pretty cool. My buddy's bachelor party last summer, we ended up going to Cannes, Ohio for Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's a big, you know, NFL fan. So, we went there, and I guess that was our first mistake. So, this one guy was, like, way too into it. Had, like, $500 in cash. He's like, we got to go to a strip club. And I'm like, okay. So, the first one we went to was, like, very sleazy. It seemed like they were all on drugs and, like, just really uncomfortable. Then we went to another one where... Things went down. Okay. Uh, you you could just what tell, you like... When you say things I, went down... I just felt unsafe. Like birthday parties? I, 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 like, felt, I felt unsafe. Pin, pin the tail on the donkey? Like, 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 probably multiple people had, like, guns in this place. Like, right. it was it was very... Then we went to right. a third well, one. That's just called Florida these days. <laughs> it's not sure if you're aware. You go down to spring training, you're probably going to encounter the same situ- situation. And then we went to a third one, and there were, like, cop cars out the outside so you just so, like, never it never really happened i mean, I mean it okay. kind of happened what, with the first what, one one of my favorite strip club stories okay we had a, a friend who was I, I don't remember what birthday it would have been 35th maybe i don't know she she wanted to do one of those pedal bike things okay uh through fell's point okay and so we did it it was right before the pandemic i mean maybe like a week before the wow. pandemic hit like it's the last time i remember seeing people before this all <sighs> came about so we do the thing, and then she's drunk, and she starts screaming that we want to go to. A, she wants to go to a strip club. Now again, the problem being, we're in Fell's Point at like three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, and there's not like the Ritz isn't open. Yeah, and so now we gotta like wander somewhere. Now we gotta we gotta really go somewhere. And I'm not really a big fan of of that. But three but o'clock strip club? It, like, that's well, there's like you gotta go to one of the biggies. Well, no, no, you, I know. You gotta go at that point to the the hustler club, or you gotta go to the I guess it's the just an interesting club now. vibe. Oh, it's quite the yeah. interesting vibe, Tim. <laughs> yeah. So we go to the the. But she's drunk. She's demanding. I mean, like demanding. And it's her birthday, right? Yeah, it's her so birthday. It's her party. It's the when whole thing, right? So we're like, all right. And her sister's there. And her sister and I have been like, we're trying to take care. We're like, all right, fine. We'll do what she wants. We'll go to the Hustler Club. No big deal. But we got to take an Uber over. We'll, we'll figure it out. So we get over to the Hustler Club. And there's one girl. <laughs> one girl working. Now, she seems very nice. <laughs> yeah, of course. We're the only people in there. There's only so much we can tip <laughs> to the one girl that's getting up on the stage and then nobody else is getting up on the stage. Oh, man. And so she's like, I guess I can get back up. <laughs> and they're like, right, but we've already tipped you yeah. a good amount. And so 
like so at some point we say well maybe now again she's not letting up on this she sure. wants to she's all in yeah she and and like so her husband's drunk and her husband's just sort of like hey man yeah like this is like this is cool my wife wants to go to strip clubs like yeah let's do this i'm like all right fine god we'll go next place so we make the t- eternal mistake of just wandering out on the block <laughs> until the next open strip club we wander in and I'm like, immediately when I walk in, I say, well, I've been to this establishment before. <laughs> we should not be here. <laughs> Nothing good is coming. You see, I've, I've been to an establishment like this where a young lady offered, walked, I say young lady, she might have been 50, walked up to myself and the girl that I was dating at the time and said, I swear to God, I'll sleep with both of you Threesome, yeah. for $100. Oh, wow. And I That's said, a deal. I said, thank you. <laughs> That's very kind. <laughs> I think we're going to pass this time <laughs> and then we found out that was only her first offer <laughs> no the number no the number went, went down. down from there wow yeah just was, one counter or yeah. were there multiple oh there were multiple wow. counters tim so i realized like i've been in this place before i shouldn't be here but yeah. again you're dealing with a crazy person you're dealing with someone who is hell-bent on Strip club Saturday, yeah, right? You're, you're just trying to go with the flow. And the good news is now it's getting closer to like 6 p.m. So you're getting closer to a time where like, you know, there might actually be. It happens. I decide that I need to use the facility. So I, again, should have known better, wander towards the back of the establishment. This is one of those like really skinny hallway. There is a, the bar and the stage are the same thing on the left. Like if you, if you've ever been to any of these establishments on the block, you kind of know they're all the same. There is a bar. It is also the stage. There's no difference. <laughs> like, that's where they're dancing yeah. is on the bar. So I, that's on my left, and then on the right is, you know, just people. So I wander to the end of the skinny hallway, and then I see the bathroom. <laughs> Unisex bathroom. Okay. I go to open the door. Door's locked. I say, all right, well, I got to wait. So I'm waiting there, and I realize it's been a couple minutes. All of a sudden, a gentleman comes to the back of the establishment and says, hey, man, you trying to go to the bathroom? I'm like, yes. <laughs> he said, oh, man, don't worry. This is my place. Uh, there's a guy in there. He's been in there for a couple hours at this point. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's using drugs. <laughs> I'll just walk out with you to the, the alley, and I'll shield you so you can pee out there. <laughs> So is this basically like every occurrence at a strip club you have these weird encounters? Oh, no. I think it's just this particular strip Uh, club, Tim. I think it's this particular... Other than the Hustler Club, there's not anywhere on the block that I would recommend. And even the Hustler Club, it's a soft recommendation. It's just... (laughs) Given the standard, yeah, yeah, it's a it's, little bar. It's a clear. little bit above that. <laughs> uh, I, I said, well, I think it's time for us to go. I did, I did take him up on his offer because I really did need to sure. pee. I mean, I, I walked back in. I'm like, I think it's time to, it's for us mensch. to go. Again, the good news is there's probably now at least some other performers at the Hustler Club if we want to go back there. So we do, and I was correct, and uh, everybody fought, fell asleep. <laughs> I swear to God, I look around, and there's six people, and they're all asleep, and it's me and my friend's sister, and I'm just like, what, 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 just what is this? Like, yeah, what is what? this day? Um, but I say all of this to say, I, I, I don't understand at any point you just not being like on a Saturday night, why don't we just go find out what it's all about? Like, why don't we just, like, see? Why don't we, I, so I know, so I can tell people later, like, 
I've been, I've experienced, I never need to go again. I mean, it'll happen. And shockingly, so I've been in several weddings at this point, but that was Odd. The, that was the only bachelor party that I've been to where the attempt was made okay. to go to a strip club. So I, I feel like I guess just my friends in general really... Except my one friend, like I said, he he is very much a frequent guest at the strip clubs okay. downtown. Like he's right. just he's all about it. But nah, aside from him, I don't know. I'll give not, you. I'll not give big, you like strip club goers. I'll give you one other strip club story. Okay, and then we got to move on because we got to do the we got things to do. <laughs> we can't do this for the hour. Yeah, we could actually. I, mean, <laughs> I got enough. I've got enough stories. <laughs> I promise you, there are stories I'll never be able to tell. <laughs> oh, never. Here's a good story for you. One morning, uh, Drew Forrest and I were on the air over at the other radio station that doesn't exist anymore, and uh, a gentleman just sort of walks up from downstairs. We've never seen this gentleman before, oh. and Did we're like, they have "People live in the basement." There was a guy wow. okay. who apparently was living in the basement. Okay, and no one had informed us. Wow. No one had said, "Hey, Drew and Glenn, by the way, there might be a dude in his bathrobe wandering around. He lives here now." This gentleman's name was John. On brand, I guess. Uh, he was he was a thick New York accent, like, Wait, what's up? Go-? Like, I don't even know how to ex- explain this guy. Apparently, he had been selling for us and was in the midst of a breakup and needed somewhere to stay for a little while. And so he was sleeping in the basement of the radio station, which, for those that don't know, was in a house. Like, the, the, it was a house where the radio station was. So he was sleeping in the basement. So he introduces himself later in the day, and he says, oh, by the way, I also work security at the Gold Club. And I said, okay. He said, so whenever you want to come by, just let me know. I'm like, well, you know, I probably won't be a frequent visitor. (laughs) But, you know, you never know. Like, if if my buddies want to go out one night, I'll let you know. And that's, that's nice that you'll get us in. Like, I appreciate that. John then, of course, double dipped and sold advertising to... The gold club, <laughs> smartly, yeah, smart, sure. smart play, right? Like yeah. I'm working here, yeah. might as well. As part of the sales, he offered that I would come be a judge for all of their amateur nights. I will say, quick aside, real quick, I did have a GM of one of the downtown establishments. Yes, slide in my DMs. There you go, man. And wanted to do it. I passed it along to Chuck and. Yeah, I don't know Apparently if it's their it's brand. Not, it's yeah, not really their brand. Yeah. I get it. At the time, I don't think the station that I was at, yeah. was, it was <laughs> one of those beggar, money. <laughs> beggars can't be choosers type of situations that was going on sure. over there. So, um, in fact, they might have had multiple strip clubs that were advertising at that time. I don't remember. I do know that we lost some other money because of that, and that's a story for another day. But the point being, he said, I want you to come judge the amateur nights. And I was like, well, I don't know, man. He's like, well, I told them that you. we sold that. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you didn't speak to me about that. But all right, whatever, I'll go. Mrs. Clark was happy to go with me, right? She she actually loves kind of the atmosphere at strip clubs. She's that type of person, right? She's very ju- – so I go to judge the amateur night, and I'm like – you know, the first girl comes out, and I'm like, nine. And my wife looks at me and says, what? I'm like, well, I don't know. She seems nice, and she's – she took her clothes off, and that's got to be a, a nerve-wracking yeah. thing to do in public. Sure. Like it deserves points. Well, I mean, points. I'm, what do you, yeah, yeah. what do we do? Yeah, she's like that's, that girl doesn't deserve a nine. I'm like, well, I'm giving her a nine. Next girl comes out. 
nine. <laughs> she looks at me like, what the hell? I'm like, well, she's also, she seems nice. And she took her clothes off in public. Like, that's. Yeah, it doesn't take much. It's not. I mean, what yeah. do you want to say? Yeah. Like, I appreciate the effort. She's furious now. Third girl comes out. Again, nine. She said, that's it. You're no longer, you are no longer in charge of judging the amateur night. And my wife Took proceeded over. to take over and like a, I mean, the, like a catty bitch. I'll just call it that. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> she's like, she's a four. She's <laughs> yeah. a like, well, she's. What are you talking about? She's kind of, she's pretty. Like, what are you? No, she's a two. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Dude, she was harsh. Ruthless. Harsh, man. Harsh towards them. They loved it. They invited now, uh, my wife back you, for every amateur Do you, like, night. hold up a card? No, and they, they, give you, they give you, like, a little sheet of paper. So it's, like, kind of... Okay, no, then you so turn she, your paper in at the end, and they, like... I got they, you. They, they, and that thing is, too, I always... Did they read off the ratings? Because, God, that had to make uh, them feel great. Uh, I think they just like said two. who the winner was. I okay, think that's all, all right. it was. I, I think was they just said... Say, if you're, like, holding were, it were, up, like... Oh, by the way, I'm almost certain that McEwen was one of the other judges every time. If I remember correctly, it was, like, me, McEwen, and then whoever else was they could find... Kirk, Kirk, who I believe has judged every bikini contest in yeah. the history of the city of Baltimore. Dude, I, I remember love, Coleman, love me. Coleman being in like oh, yeah, Jerry one time. Jerry and was that's definitely, just, yeah. yeah, Jerry was definitely, I don't think he was there for these, though. I don't think no. he was a part of it. Didn't but Jerry was definitely always someone who oh, was involved yes. in these types of yes. gigs. Mrs. Clark loved them. Yeah. Mrs. Clark, if I told her tomorrow, we're, we're 40 now. If I told her tomorrow we were invited back out to judge more amateur nights, she would be there. She doesn't stay up. She goes to bed at 8 o'clock. She would stay out. She would go outside on a Saturday night for a chance to judge another amateur. Now, was that one and done where she took over, or did she judge multiple? No, they wanted her back. They loved her. (laughs) They loved her. They were like, you and the missus are coming out again on Saturday night, right? I'm like, well, Uh, I think we'll we'll be all right. It wasn't Saturday night, because Saturday night's their busy night. It was whatever their their lame night was where they did amateur night. God, all right. Well, this was a thing. Thanks for stopping by. Of course. I'll walk out now. (laughs) <laughs> hey, the Lamar Meter is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. 88% was where the Lamar Meter read last Friday based on uh, Odell Beckham saying in his press conference that he received no assurance that Lamar Jackson would be the Ravens quarterback this season. Obviously, I, I, as I told you on Friday, I I think that's bluster. I don't think it really matters because I think that it matters far more that they're friendly and that they went. Like, I don't think that Lamar Jackson is going clubbing with Tim Barbalace. No. Uh, I don't think he's going clubbing with Odell Beckham if he's not planning on being teammates with the guy. So I don't overreact to it. But because this is supposed to be a legitimate meter, I did have to bring it down a couple of percentage points based on that. Lamar did not look comfortable there either. He did not look like he wanted to well, be there. Well, there was like a dude with a huge... Yeah, yeah, like, Welcome, yeah Lamar, right. Welcome, Lamar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just going mean, to blow the cover. I don't know. <laughs> um, Tim, I turn the Lamar meter over to you today. And I allow you the opportunity to move it wherever you want to move it. Remember, one, it's supposed to be a legitimate reading of yeah. where you believe the meter should be for Lamar Jackson's chances of being the Ravens' starting quarterback in week one of the NFL season. The only thing since Friday morning that so I think— So he's got to play week one. Week one, yes. Wow. Okay. The only thing that I think stands out is this sort of pseudo-report that came from Michael Lombardi of VEASAN. Yeah. Late last week. Shameless plug, he's coming on Inside Access well, there today. You go. How, about, how about that? Yeah. Um, Michael Lombardi, of course, saying that he was told 
that Lamar Jackson went to the Ravens and said, get me Odell and DeAndre Hopkins, and then we can talk. Now, what does that mean? You'll get more answers, hopefully, from Michael Lombardi. I wrote about it today for Press Box, which is like, is he saying I'll go, to, I'll go back to the negotiating table if you get me those wide receivers, or is it just that will pacify me enough to show up before the season begins this year and play on the franchise tag? That part, I don't know. A lot of ambiguity there, for sure. And Absolutely this has just been there. so topsy-turvy this offseason. And prior to Odell, I, I just, I mean, the market was nothing for him, whether it's collusion, whether it's what, what have you. And maybe I tend to think that after the draft, something will heat up. At least one team will step, uh, uh, step up to the plate. But... That was the first time in a while where I'm like, I can very much realistically see Lamar Jackson playing for the Ravens this year. But I preface it with this. I'm not sure where you're at. I don't want to see him on the tag. I do not want to see the Ravens and him run this back because, Glenn, there was such a dark cloud Mm -hmm. over this team and Mm -hmm. just every single week where you had never seen... Lamar Jackson have all of these outbursts. I, I go back to the Cleveland game where I was there post game. Lamar had 16 pass attempts. They won the game. They won the game. And Lamar referenced the 16 pass attempts probably a handful of times mm-hmm. in that press conference to make a point. They play Tampa the next week. He's throwing the ball all over the yard. He had 30 pass attempts. And, and there's the sign Mark, in the tunnel yes. afterwards. Right. But, but they started pounding the rock in the second half. So clearly his point got across. And then you had the Jacksonville game where he just lost his mind post game. But then the Sammy Watkins and they're being asked about the hold-in and just all this stuff and the leaks from both sides. The relationship seen at best strain. Mm-hmm. And can they put it back together? Now, money cures a lot of things. Well, that's what makes this interesting to me, Tim. Like I am of the belief that this Odell Beckham thing is... Look, they're paying a tax, clearly. Right? Absolutely. Like, they're yeah. paying a tax, one, because they, they have, they're terrible at wide receivers. <laughs> like, they're just... it's. It's it's historic how awful they are at wide receivers. So they're paying a tax for that, but they're also to me paying a tax. Like again, in diving in, there's it, there's so much to this Lombardi report that if true, it also comes off like they're paying a tax to not have to give up a draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins, and it seems like they're paying a tax to pacify Lamar Jackson. There's definitely something in to that. In order to at least get him to show up. To your point, what I I would rather them get a long term deal done, but if they feel like that's just not going to happen then how is it that they can get some sort of buy-in from Lamar Jackson this season? And if they believe that Odell Beckham is enough to get buy-in from him, not that he shows up on day one of camp, because I think that would be extraordinary, Like, but the idea that he would show up at least by, say, mid-August, at least put a couple of weeks in before the season begins, because they went out and did something for him, it prevents a holdout, it prevents... We say holdout. If he doesn't show yeah. up on week, uh, day one, it's considered a holdout. But I think you guys get the point. A holdout that would threaten the start of the season. He can pacify what he needs to do with the Players Association by saying, look, I'm not showing up on day one. I'm still trying to fight against it, but I am going to show up. I-, I don't know. All of it is interesting to me. It's all very interesting. There's also like the layer of, do you really want to allow your quarterback to be your general manager? Like that... I don't like that. I would rather just overpay my quarterback to be a quarterback than give him general manager responsibilities. But at the same time, 
I have no problem with Lamar Jackson screaming about wide receiver. I don't Because either. the Ravens stink at wide receiver. I don't either. And they didn't have a proven wide receiver heading into training camp last year. It was all receivers that they drafted year three or younger. And they made that mistake. They brought in Demarcus Robinson. That was the biggest thing. Eric DaCosta got phenomenal value for trading Marquise Brown. And Tyler Linderbaum looks like a home run. And I, I firmly believe he's going to be a Pro Bowl center. The issue is he did right. not go about replacing yes. him. And that's the biggest problem. Yes. You get that first round pick, but nothing else happened. And you see all of these teams going out and making these blockbuster trades at receiver. I had to have thought that it was a point of emphasis this offseason to go out and get that established guy. Now, I've been characterizing this move as maybe there's a high ceiling with Odell, but there's a very low floor in the fact that how confident are you in this guy playing 17 games? Well, it's I mean, just not, right, not super confident. I don't even know how high the ceiling is. My I, ceiling for him. Yeah. And if he did this, sign off and look, is it still an overpay if he has this year? Absolutely. Can he be what he was in 2019 with Todd Munkin, where he yeah. averaged over 14 yards per yeah. catch and they need some yak? He had over 1,000 yards that year. I, I'm fine with that. And, and does it take pressure off of Rashad Bateman? Does it take pressure off of Mark Andrews, where you have this trickle-down effect that doesn't necessarily show up in the stats for Odell Beckham Jr.? Right. But he's also a guy... Can he win in the red zone? Can he win on third down? I, I look at it from all of those angles. I, I think those things matter. I don't think my ceiling is. I don't think, I, like, my ceiling is more like, can he have 800 yards this season? Can yeah. he be productive? Okay. Like, if I, if I can get a productive player, that's enough right now. Yeah. Like, that's, it's an upgrade. I still think they need to consider a further upgrade. I, I still dude, think they need to consider I'm, another wide receiver in the draft. Like, there's a whole lot of other things 100%. there. Hundred percent. All, all that being said, they're one injury away to yeah, where we were two 100%, weeks ago. Hundred <laughs> percent. All that being said, we're right back to here. Yes. Eighty-eight's the number right now. You have control of the Lamar meter. Again, the only new information is this Michael Lombardi thing, and what that actually means for Week One of this year. I, I don't know. I'll work with you. Where do you think that number should go? Percentage chance Lamar Jackson starts week one for the Baltimore Ravens in 2023. I'll get like 81%. Whoa! I'll have, I'll have a little bit of a drop. Whoa. Um, I'm not as 100% certain yet. Now, I, again, Glenn, if you asked me a couple weeks ago, I might have said 60-65. Oh, it got as low. Oh. The, the day that the, uh, the trade request became public, wow. it got as low as 39%. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. But I feel confident in the fact that for the first time oh it just slid down to like 93 right, we got a um, <laughs> we got to fix the lamar meter yes we got to do um, <laughs> um <laughs> duct tape fi fixes everything but as you can tell I, very high level uh for sure. effort I mean, that we put together yes a lot of integrity yes. but <laughs> i'm still at the point glenn is there a possibility where jim ursay could go rogue and prior to the draft or it, you know is there could, a possibility sure is, a possibility. is there a possibility post draft right. where i've always felt like there's more opportunity for other teams because you consider if you go signing the offer sheet you're not giving up the pick this year at that point obviously and lamar being on your team puts whoever in 
instant playoff potential. Let's use the Colts for an example. AFC South is terrible outside of the Jags, where the Titans, they just seem like they're in a down, uh, downward spiral. Texans are the Texans. I, I do think the Jags will be solid. Even if you look at the Patriots, where uh, to uh, that situation, very tenuous as far as health-wise, Bills, I think there might be some regression there as well. I, I just feel like whoever gets him, and I think it's more likely, I, I firmly believe one team will at least, at least make a run. But conversely, the Ravens have been doing this offseason a lot different than they have been. We, we, we've been introduced avoidable years now mm-hmm. where, where mm-hmm. with Odell Beckham Jr., he's got a $4 million cap hit instead right. of fifteen. That is strategic in the fact that they're trying to have as much salary cap flexibility as possible. Yes, they haven't hidden from their like everybody that keeps wanting to think this is about the Ravens not wanting Lamar Jackson. All of their actions are very clear. They exactly. want Lamar Jackson. Now that all being said, I, I, I have I have kept some wiggle room when I have set the Lamar meter related to the possibility that there could just be a team that decides, well, we didn't get our guy, yeah, we're not going to get the guy that we wanted, so yeah. let's go after it. And so I don't think that's nothing. I do think that the Odell Beckham, to your point... It helps vo- a lot. I, it's not even that it helps. Putting voidable years in there... Yeah, it shows. Y- you damn well better not be doing that. You don't take this risk for someone else to be your quarterback. This is putting potentially, let's just say Odell Beckham can't, be the player that he once was or even a facsimile of that you're now running the risk of having 10 million dollars plus of yeah. dead cap space on your your 2024 cap to give odell beckham to who as your quarterback this season the only way that this move makes any sense in the world is if lamar jackson is your quarterback Absolutely. and it comes off like it almost doesn't matter what your offer would be for him we're going to have him anyway so as much as the moves they've made have said, don't bother putting in an offer for him on the franchise tag because we're just going to match it anyway, this almost to me goes a step forward, which is don't even bother putting a trade offer in. Like, unless your trade offer includes... Blows you away. I, I, I don't even think blows you away is fair enough because if it's after the draft, what is the point of stockpiling future picks? Exactly. Unless it includes a franchise-caliber quarterback. I've said before, unless the Jacksonville Jaguars know they have the exact same problem with Trevor Lawrence, and they'd rather have Lamar Jackson because Trevor Lawrence hates it in Jacksonville and doesn't want to be there any longer and will never sign. Like, whatever that scenario might be, unless you're giving me a viable franchise quarterback to replace him with, forget it. Because there is no reason to do this with Odell Beckham. The only reason why this makes sense is to pacify Lamar Jackson. That's it. There is no world in which having you know, Tyler Huntley, but let's go even a step beyond that, you're not winning a Super Bowl with Will Levis as your quarterback this season. There is no world where it makes sense to give Will Levis Odell Beckham and run the risk of it costing you $10 million in dead cap space the following year. It's only worth it if you believe you can do something with Lamar Jackson. And I've I've said this a million times for people that are just so quick to push Lamar out, uh, take any offer sheet, take a trade. This organization was in the quarterback abyss from 1996 through 2007. Will Levis, for example, he is not a proven commodity. We have nope. seen so many buzz. Look at the 2018 draft. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were the most scrutinized quarterbacks in that class because of the lack of accuracy. Baker Mayfield, bust. Sam Darnold, bust. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen, mm-hmm. bust. Mm-hmm. Those were all top 10 picks. 
it's far from a sure thing right. where Lamar is a known commodity Correct. at this point. So pushing him out just seems so... Well, I mean, I have never believed they were trying to push him no, out. No, no, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying for some yeah. fans' oh, perspective, well, I'm, they're, they're, done, I'm done with the situation. And idiots. trust me, oh my God. <laughs> I'll yeah. speak for both of this, right. be, both of us, because I know you're, you're of the same boat. Yeah. We're, we all have Lamar fatigue, right. and and part of the franchise. Although we're tag, we're also liars because we also soak up every amount of Lamar Jackson information. <laughs> yes. but, and I say that in my column today. Like, yes. I, first of all, I'm sick of it. Second of all, I'm a liar. I'm yeah. not remotely sick of it. <laughs> I I gobble up like I was Pac-Man sure. every single ounce of Lamar Jackson information. The moment somebody says, "Do you hear what Michael Lombardi said?" I'm like, "Ah, who cares?" And yeah. I'm racing over yeah, to yeah. figure out what it okay, is. Okay, well, Lombardi maybe said. we can lead <laughs> with this on Monday. No, yeah. I'm I'm 100 with you and with the Ravens show with Inside yeah. Access. It, yeah. It does provide content, but the franchise tagged I a three-year deal. I, I keep saying that because well, I, it's advantageous look. to both sides. Yep. Lamar would hit the market again at 29. The the uh, salary cap's only going to be going up year after year. Do you run the risk of injury? Absolutely. But I, I, I just think it makes so much sense for both parties. And if he's so dug in on the fully guaranteed or close to the fully guaranteed – it's more palatable to do that on a three-year deal. But with the tag, my my greatest concern is it's going to be last year times two. And if he does hold out during training camp, which I'm with you, I don't expect him to show up day one, and he ain't playing on $32.5 million. No, I don't know. It has firmly, to be, yes. They're going to yes. have to sweeten Correct. the pot there. I mean, Glenn, if he shows up week one, with this brand new offense, I mean, is there a potential that he wouldn't even suit well, up week and, one? And, the, I, and again, the, that's where I think the Beckham thing is. It matters because I no, think it it's does. their attempt to say, look, yes. you asked us to do this. Yeah. We went out. We did it. And you said, now we can talk. Can we talk? And yeah. try to find something that works out for all parties involved. We get it. You can't show up on day one. Yeah. But if we do give you a $1 million per game bonus, something like that, will that buy you showing up in August? And showing up. August 10th, is, something like is that. Is this a compromise, which quite frankly in this year, I think you're more willing to accept a hold in, like a T.J. Watt, because even if he can get no, the I, classroom I show up, but I don't time, practice, yeah. even if he gets the classroom time, he's not risking yeah. the injury on the, but, Glenn, it, at least it's something. No, I wouldn't, agree. wouldn't you rather have that where at least he's getting the playbook, at least yeah. he's getting the classroom time? Because well, I'd, I'd rather have it. I'm trying to think of him from sure, Lamar. Sure, I'd rather I'm have him think, at no, practice. I'm trying to think from Lamar's standpoint, whatever he's got to do to show that I'm fighting against the – because part of this is the players have sure. to say, we are not okay with Absolutely. the existence of the franchise tag. So for what he has to do, does that pacify them? Like the players have to say – we're not just going to be cool with the franchise tag. Absolutely. Like, we have to make the point that we are opposed to the existence of this thing. So we can't just be like, nah, it's cool. I'll go show up. And I, I don't know if that does enough for them. I, have, I don't know. I, let me do this really quickly. So that's today's reading. Again, 81%. Brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Courtesy of our friend Tim Barbales, who gets the guest set to, today. And then I get to move it wherever I want to move it tomorrow. That's the way that it works. Now. Um, quickly, today, Glory Days Grill has given us a $25 gift card to give away to someone. And the way we're going to do it today is I have posted a question, and I'll retweet it in a second, today on Twitter. And it might be foreshadowing. I'm not sure. I want to know if we move the parameters for Lamar meter from the week one of 2023 to week one of 2024. Where would your reading be then and why? That's what I want to know today at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. 
if we change the parameters, which again might be me telling you something, <laughs> if we change the parameters for the Lamar meter to make it chances he's the week one starting quarterback in 2024, where would your number then be and why? The and why you guys like to struggle with because you'd rather just put down a number and be done with it. Tweet that to me at Glenn Clark Radio. Everyone who does will be registered to win. Uh, Griffin will use whatever scientific system he uses to comb through them and pull a winner who will receive this $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Tim, quickly, what would yours be if we did that? I, I genuinely don't know because if you're opposing teams, what would have to change Somebody brought this for point this up. to go away? Somebody brought up the, the, the point of this and said, what's going to be different next offseason than it is right now? Yeah, unless he wins a Super Bowl or takes them to at least a conference championship. or I mean, Glenn, God forbid he gets hurt again because then they're just going to keep throwing that in your face. And part of me wants to say very low uh, like a 30 35 percent mm-hmm. and maybe that's even high wow uh but i but i don't know i this is brian jackson's i would say the number the two numbers this year's are and next year's are the same everything we know now suggests the ravens are the highest bidder so what would be different about next year and to your point if he has an outstanding season maybe all of a sudden there are other teams to say the hell with it we don't care any longer we just need to get this quarterback we'll put in a crazy offer and and i'm not downing steve bishotti for this because i get it you got to put the money in escrow and, and maybe you don't want to go there if you're steve bishotti and i said this a year ago what barring a super bowl if you're not willing to go fully guaranteed and lamar is so dug in on that like what's going to change from the ravens perspective where if they aren't meeting his number now you would think, quite frankly, regardless of the season, mm-hmm. his number's only going to go higher because Joe Burrow's going to get paid. And you're going to see all of these other quarterbacks. Right, but if those quarterbacks don't get fully guaranteed sure. money, then no. it, it becomes it a different you, conversation it gives you more leverage. Point, right? Well, where are you at? For next year? Yeah. I don't want to say 50-50 because that would be quite the cop-out. Uh, no, I, I think the point is relevant. I think I'd probably some, be somewhere in the neighborhood of 59%. Really? I think I'd be somewhere in that neighborhood. I do still think that ultimately the, the the best partnership is between the two. And if he shows up and he plays this year and if things go well, then there's perhaps more reason to try to find a way to save face and make it work for him long term. And I absolutely think the Ravens are going to be in the same. The, 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 what are the options? Are the, is the option to let Lamar Jackson walk for nothing, like to not tag him again? Well, they'd have I, to. I think they won't have to begin with tagging him again. And so if you tag him again, I, the scenario where you're just recreating this entire situation all over again. For a third straight year. Right? The, the team's not going to – I never believed the team was willing to let him go for two first-round picks. That's you, you, Non-quarterbacks can net two first-round picks. You have to get something – insane in order to be willing to make this trade and i just don't know that any team's willing to do that so ultimately i just think we're in the same boat a year from now so it's very well possible and i i want to stress i want lamar jackson here for the next 10 years right of course (laughs) i Mm. want lamar here and if you give him up you look at the deshaun watson trade you look at the russell wilson trade both of those quarterbacks, Lamar has an edge over in this. I, 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 Russell Wilson is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. He was a disaster last year. But Russ is in his 30s and got yes. traded. Yes. Where Lamar's 26. And Deshaun Watson, where all the disgusting stuff off the field, 
he is a more accomplished player than Deshaun Watson. And if people want to say, oh, the lack of postseason success, Deshaun Watson has the same amount of postseason wins, which is one. So uh, where are we going with that argument? I, I, If you're the Ravens, you're looking for though that type of trade package mm-hmm. like Houston got or like Seattle got. I agree. I completely agree. All right, Tim Barbalace is here. We will talk some Orioles uh, it, because we got to let him go after it. What are you, what are you doing today? Well, you guys got big plans today? What I got to I got to run out. I got to stop back. Run from out. My what pup. does that mean? Well, I got to run out, stop by my pup, and then I got to go oh, in okay. because right, Stone all right. All right. That, Stone's that off. So oh, I got to you know going I gotta on over there. Pull a little double duty. All right. Uh, hey, expert and award winning AJ Michaels heating, AC, plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at AJMichaels.com. How concerned are we about Orioles pitching? They did take two out of three this week, and it was a thriller yesterday. We'll talk about it next. Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat-around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adelaide, Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Back in here on GCR, Tim Barbalace is here in studio with us. Of course, this is the first ever year that you can bet on baseball from your phone here in the state of Maryland. So take advantage of some great offers like five-second chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. But you can only get that if you go to PressBoxOnline.com offers. That's PressBoxOnline.com offers. 
So the Orioles do take two out of three in Chicago. It looked really hairy for a minute yesterday as Grayson Rodriguez gives up a couple of home runs in the first inning, and they're down 4 nothing. And in that moment, like I'm glad that I wasn't tweeting because I think there are a lot of people who were tweeting and Facebooking and all that yesterday that were probably saying, all right, he's got to go back down, he's not ready, and obviously things change quite a bit over the course of the next four innings. Grayson Rodriguez has apparently a first inning problem. Whether that'll continue or it's just you know because this is him still getting adjusted to the major leagues, we'll find out. But he looked quite good after that point, and he reminded us of just how talented he is, and it's almost certainly at least enough that he makes a start. They'll probably skip him with the two off days this week and having to think ahead. That's the only tough part of this is he does throw 93 pitches, and I'm okay with them in measuring protecting Grayson Rodriguez for later in the year versus doing what's necessary to build up his confidence right now, I'm okay with them saying, hey, we wanted him to get the five innings and we wanted him to throw a few more pitches because we wanted him to be more confident going into whenever his next start is. But I'd be stunned if they didn't skip him this time through the rotation in order to try to keep that innings number a little bit lower and given the fact that he has been a little bit shaky through the first three starts. Without question, the two off days makes you think that there very very well could be more roster moves. And Yanir Cano was great over the weekend in his first two uh, outings this year. Spencer Watkins still hasn't pitched, which is kind of interesting. But with Grayson, it's so interesting with this first... His first three starts... He's walked the first batter of the game in all of these, and he is missing high on seemingly every single Mm -hmm. pitch in that first inning. He just had no confidence in anything. He went to the cutter in the second inning, which they pointed out in the broadcast. He's only thrown 3% of the time in his first two starts, but that was a pitch that he got feel with. And then when he had that changeup going, That was when it was really impressive with Grayson. He had eight strikeouts in the game. But in the first inning, Glenn, you're thinking, oh, God, this is going to be like an inning and a third, inning and two-thirds where he gave up the two home runs, four four earned runs. But I I remember Kyle Stowers. They were saying during the broadcast in Masson in Texas where during his time with him at Norfolk, Gives up earned runs, and then he almost dials in more. He gets, like, angry, pissed off, and then just finds a way. And we've kind of seen that in pretty much all of his starts this year. He's at the point where he flashes so much potential, and you see why he was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, where you kind of want to see him figure it out at the major no, league I agree, level. I agree with right? that. Like, I... I don't know if he had gotten totally rock yesterday, yeah. and especially knowing he's going to have his next start skipped, Danny. Like I could see them make an argument yes. for, you know, like, bring up a bullpen guy in the meantime, right. and uh, we'll see what happens with Bradish. He pitched Friday at Bowie. They haven't and, they haven't announced their starter yet for Wednesday, so yeah, the assumption is he's eligible. He's going to pitch on Wednesday, but again, we'll see. They don't necessarily need him to pitch Wednesday either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the bigger question, of course, being the Orioles offensively, they're, they're a dynamo, right? They have been absolutely excellent. They are taking pitches. Jorge Mateo has been a revelation. Austin Hayes looks like the Austin Hayes from the beginning of a year ago and not the one from the end of a year ago. Obviously, Adley Rutschman has been otherworldly. 
And Cedric Mullins even started to come around a little bit this weekend, which is good because he had been off to a sluggish start. Ryan Mountcastle kind of went the other way a little bit and reminds us that for all of the home runs, I think his on base is sitting at like, what, 290 or something like that. It's not great. Um, But, you know, you're kind of putting up with some of that because you're getting the power with Ryan Mountcastle. The point is the offense, not a problem at all. The pitching, it's a problem. What is it, by the way? It's 243. That's his on base oh now. Yes. He's batting two seventeen. Did he not get on base at all this weekend? Did he literally go like not at all all weekend? See over five yesterday. Because he was yeah. over. God, that is wow. That is that is yeah, dreadful. It's not, great. It's not good. That is. I didn't realize it. Had, no, I didn't yeah. think. It I didn't realize it fallen that, that far. Yeah, right. Like remember, we were five days ago talking about extending Ryan yeah. Mountcastle. Nine RBIs. Right. Like, <laughs> five days ago, we were having that conversation. Yeah, 0 for six on Saturday. Zero for five yesterday. And no, there are no walks. There are no. Yeah, there no, no Not on base at all. Yeah. See, at least Gunner, who's struggling from yes, the plate, right, is getting on base. That's a great point. On base he's percentage. On base. And he's had a couple hits over the past right. couple. I had a multi-hit game yesterday, but the point is obviously the offense is fine. The pitching is a problem. Are you where are you? This is the, yesterday was the one tenth mark of the season because it was the sixteenth game. Where are you on the? It's going to be a problem all season long versus it's sixteen games. A year ago, after sixteen games, we would have been panicked, and they were able to figure things out as the year went on. Let's start with the starting pitching and Cole Irvin. It was pretty disastrous in his first three starts. This is a guy that has not struggled with command. He only had one start last year in his 30 in which he had two or more walks. He did that in all three games. I give Mike. By the way, I'm sorry. I just looked at it. Gunnar Henderson's numbers. Like, have we ever seen someone with a a 200 point difference? It's crazy. It's It's insane. It's insane. At least the team in walks. No, you're fine. It's nuts. Uh, with Irvin, though, I give Mike Elias a lot of credit where that was, quote-unquote, the big trade acquisition for the Orioles this year because they only had two with right. McCann, and the Mets ate all that salary pretty much. But Irvin was supposed to come in. He was supposed to be Jordan Lyles. Well, Gibson was supposed to be Jordan Lyles plus. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, he has... He, oh, yes. Kyle part, Gibson's yes, been awesome. Correct. He's been awesome. Where Irvin... Last year, Glenn, that move wasn't made. Where it showed to me, Michael Elias backing up the fact they're trying to win now, and and it is lift off. Where send him down, Kramer could be next. DL Hall is going to come up at some point. Kramer, I think they're we gonna, can speak for gonna, both of us. Going to have to visit. Very that. concerned there. Yep. I'm confident in Gibson. I'm confident in Tyler Wells. Grayson, you're dealing with growing pains mm-hmm. right now. Yep. You're going to have the up and downs. Now, Bradish, it's tough where he ended the year so great, and it looked like he was going to be off to a great start in... It's a uh, very small sample well, size. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's abundantly small yeah, sample in, size. In Texas, yes. but I mean, what was that? Inning yes. two-thirds or whatever? We have to see it first. Mm-hmm. And DL is going to come up at some point, make a... I would think this starting pitching is going to get better as the year goes on especially in Grayson's case, maybe even D.L. Hall's case. John Means is going to come back in July. As far as the bullpen, we know how volatile it can be year to year. And Austin Voth, who honestly was great yesterday, I I always looked at him as a guy who was going to experience regression when he was so terrible with the Nats last year before getting DFA'd, and he was a revelation Mm -hmm. here. Coulomb 
has been awesome. He's been an awesome pickup. Mike Bauman. I mean, let's give I, him Bauman some credit. To the, the Bauman to the point where if this continues, you almost have to start having a conversation about whether or not he could end up being back in the conversation to be a starter again. Possibly. Like, this has been so absurdly good with Mike Bauman that like you you almost have to start thinking about what this is. And and look, I get don't mess with it. Sure. You say leave him in the role he's yeah, in, yeah. but you know that you have Tate and Givens coming sure. back. And if you get into a more stable place with your bullpen, does Mike Bauman become someone that you can say at some point during the season, particularly if Grayson Rodriguez comes up against an innings cap? Yeah. Do you find Spot yourself? Starts. Do you find yourself saying like he could help you out in that department as well? I'm just that's spitballing. Right now, he's in and, a good place. You don't mess with. And it. is he a guy that could have been like Keegan Aiken was most of the year last year, or pitch every four or five days? He's going three innings, mm-hmm. being that bulk guy well i i still think that at some point you have to consider like this is the tough part with grayson rodriguez i i i am thinking much more than everyone else is about the cap like i am thinking way more about it right now everybody else is just like let him go the danger of the orioles being in a playoff race on labor day and having not really done anything at the trade deadline and this franchise and grayson rodriguez is pitching well and then they walk in and like nope we're doing the strasburg thing that's what i was gonna shut down is is Oh, it is really this this franchise cannot afford to do that to their fan base. And I would appreciate them thinking about that ahead of time and not just saying, well, we'll deal with it when we deal with it. Like, no, you need to have a strategy for that. And at some point, my answer is Grayson Rodriguez making three inning starts saying, hey, this time through, we're going to piggyback him with someone else in order to make sure he can be available to us, at least to some extent. Once we get to the end of the season, if we're in the playoff. Well, race. think of all the guys that are going to have innings restrictions. Tyler Wells is in there, too. Yep. D.L. Hall is in there, too. I, you got to consider it with all of these guys. And we had Mike Elias on at Cross Street. This was probably right before the season. And I asked him that question about all the guys with inning li- innings limits. And I was so surprised, A, how he's always poo-pooed the six-man rotation idea, and B, he sort of downplayed the innings limit, which shocked me, quite frankly. And he was like, well, there hasn't been anything concrete with that in, in terms of research. And, you know, we'll have it under control. He was very nonchalant about it, which did surprise me. But I'm with you, Glenn. That that has to be a factor in the back of your mind. But I, I guess back to the bullpen, though. You mm-hmm. have Tate, who was a weapon for them last year. Givens has always been consistent. They're really going to help the bullpen. So I think the bullpen is going to get better as the year goes on. This CNL Perez thing has been surprising to me. Was he going to be as great as he was last year with a 1-4 ERA? No. But I I guess maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm always sort of an eternal optimist. I I expect CNL to turn this around a bit. And we almost take... Felix Bautista for granted. Well, I mean, dude, this guy ridiculous. is slightly ridiculous. Dude, he's, yes. un- he's like times unhittable. Yes, he's if you saw the, the pitching ninja video from this weekend, they dude, did about it's 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 unreal. It's insane how yes. good he is. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is you're not really panicked about no. it. That there are issues, obviously, but you're not really as of yet. You're not panicked about it. I am. I think panicked with is. And I used that word last week. I wouldn't say I'm panicked about it per se. But I am far less convinced that the Orioles make a bolt. Like I, I don't 
I mean, everybody keeps talking about Corbin Burns. God, would I love it. And they certainly have the assets to try to go make a run at it. I don't think they're going to. I don't buy it. Um, I also think we could have a, a legitimate debate about whether or not, if they're not willing to spend money to keep Corbin Burns around, if the next two years, if this year and next year are really a window for them to go compete for something, that I think they should take in a chance on specifically a Corbin Burns. As much as I would like him to be here, I, they have to show at some point they're willing to spend money. If you're going after Corbin Burns, it's because you intend to give him the money that he wants to me. And so I'm still skeptical about what it is that they're going to do. And because of that, I probably have a bit more concern that ultimately you and I get together again in July and the conversation is, boy, if only they had a little bit more pitching, this team could really compete. Now, in the... In, in the immediate, yes, I am concerned. Uh, just because things have been shaky, I still want to see come May when Tate and Givens are back. In that meantime, yes, uh, there absolutely is a concern. And Grayson's still going to experience these you know, uh, growing pains, and we'll see what happens with Bradish. But I'm with you a million percent where you got to make a move, Glenn. I mean, dude, they're so... I, I, I hear you. We were, we were, we were a buoy, and... We were talking off mic to one of the prospects, mm-hmm. and he acknowledged as much. Where he's like, dude, he talked to another prospect saying, like, dude, we're blocked right now because there's guys yes, at there's Norfolk, so much, that, particularly in the infield. It, exactly. Um, they're blocked right now. And you got to, like, at some point, you're overflowing with talent, and you have guys that are ready to, to just knock on the door like a Westberg or Ortiz mm-hmm. and Kowser at some point. And, uh, I mean, some, I don't know. Heston Kerstad might be here oh, way dude, quicker H- than any of us thought he was going insane. to be. But I, I just all of these guys where you just don't have the room, and eventually you got to make these moves. And we've seen under Elias, and you can go back to Houston as well, they aren't really drafting pitchers high. They're acquiring guys through trades. And even in terms of prospects, where you mm-hmm. look at Kay Povich and you look at Chase McDermott, that's why I think they will. But as far as the money, I, you got to at some point. And, and we've had John Angelos yeah, on I, multiple times, right. and unfortunately he says things that he shouldn't. But I well, asked him... Or he tells the truth. Like, I, But I asked him... One of the first times that we had him on this offseason, you go back to even 2017, 2018. So you're talking a handful of years ago. Mm-hmm. This was an organization that was spending an upwards of $150, $160 million. They were in the top half of payroll. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, is that realistic to get back to? I, I think we all expected them to spend money. We still have not seen a free agent sign a multi year deal yep. here, which is shocking. But. I didn't think they were going to spend up until that point, but when you only marginally spent and you're still second to last in payroll, you need one of those moves, I guess selfishly, this fan base needs a bone. Well, whether it's and, whether and look, I've argued a lot. I think it's far more valuable for the fan base for it to be Rutschman or sure. for it to be I, you I know Henderson agree. than completely even for it to be agree. an outside free yes. agent. But to the point, it's anything. It's got it's yes. anything that shows this is what we're willing to do. And until you do it, like I, I keep perception. coming back to like I think that they were telling you something when they said Tampa. I really believe that that was not out of thin air. That it was. 
Look at Tampa has never been outside of the bottom third of payroll. It's never happened. They have never gone out of the bottom third of payroll. For as much as they've been competitive and as many good things they've done, they have never. They were only once close to moving out of the bottom third of payroll. I don't think that's not part of this. And that's what pisses me off because you're in a bigger market. They've shown a, they've shown a handful of years ago that they would spend. And, okay. But it is and, trickier and, because it's no, not his money. And, I, and I, this is a difficult I, conversation to have. It's not John's money. Like, that's the difficult part about this. Now, at some point, I, I get it. Peter Angelos is going to pass away. Like, that day is going to come. And what it all looks like at that point, I don't know. And there have been lots of rumors about, well, I don't want to sell, but I'll sell 40% of the team. Yeah. And maybe that does bring in. Or and maybe his majority. belief is that this new stadium village will create new revenue streams, things like that. But until I see any of it, until I see the money spent, or even open discussion about spending that type of money, I'm going to keep coming back to the same thing. But to me, it's just as likely that when you say you have all these prospects – that what they're really going to do is turn around and trade guys at the major league level to to continue to fortify I, their farm I, system. I'm with you, Glenn, but I brought this up to John too. Where the Rays, Wander Franco, mm-hmm. the Indian, I get Indians, it. They've, the Guardians yes, have given the, out two one hundred yes, plus million dollars. Even Corbin Carroll with the D backs. I, I, I know that's where okay, and he was still even noncommittal in that, yeah. in that yep. answer. Yep. Where it it's you're saying you want to model yourself after them. You're afraid to go in that direction where the price well, again, is only of, going to go up. I, I, it always I, this is the unique part of this. It's not okay, but part of it is I don't know if he knows that he has the money to spend. And I and I that is it's, it's infuriating. Yeah, it's, but I don't know that John Angelos knows that he actually has the tangible dollars to spend if they give out the two hundred million dollar contract to Adley Rutschman. Because at this point, I, my God, what it would cost to do this with Adley Rutschman, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's extraordinary. Like this is why maybe you should have done it before he played his first major league game, um, and I mean that. Like that might have been the only opportunity you had to do it, and and get it at a reasonable deal. I know I got to let you go in a minute. What's going on on Inside Access? Yeah, Inside Said, Access. Uh, just Jason and I. Ken's still in the Dominican Republic, so oh, really it must, be, I, must be nice. I, I don't say this often, but I wish I was Ken Wyman. No, <laughs> Michael Michael Lombardi. He's coming on, so we'll ask him the report that he was saying that DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr. Hang on. We just got to add in there. Griffin just informed me. uh, This report from a few different places, starting with Ian Rappaport. Eagles and Jalen Hurts, five-year, $255 million extension, and uh, includes $179 million in fully guaranteed money. So... That we'll be talking about that. That is a game changer. <laughs> we'll be talking about that. Game changer might might influence the Lamar meter tomorrow. Yeah. We'll see how that. Yeah, goes. we'll be talking about that yeah. as well as the Orioles the weekend that was for them. But uh, jam packed show. I mean, that's uh, he's the highest paid quarterback annually because Rogers well, was at yep, fifty million dollars. He becomes the highest paid player in NFL history. Well, uh, you yes, know, like and, it's. But that's that's the other thing with it, Glenn, and that's what I'm saying. Burrow's going to get his bag this offseason. I'm skeptical yeah. about Herbert. Uh, my guess is that uh, that's probably going to end up like okay. a Lamar situation. Okay. Um, just with the By the Spanos. way, also also worth pointing out, we do need to know like the essentially guaranteed versus fully guaranteed sure. part of it. Like yeah. we do need to get that. Absolutely. Like, that that part of this is always very difficult. Like they, yeah. and it's wonky and it's nonsense. Yes. So we would need to know that part as well. But 
noteworthy numbers, yes. to be sure. And certainly, I, I think this is beneficial news for Lamar Jackson. I think oh, this is, yeah. Yeah. even though it's not fully guaranteed, yeah. I still think it's beneficial for him to be able to turn around and say, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's cool. How about that? How about that? All right, buddy. Good All to right, see you. Man. Thanks Appreciate coming in and hanging you. out today. No, absolutely. We'll do it again. Absolutely. All right. That's our friend Tim Barbalace. At Tim Barbalace on Twitter, of course, every afternoon on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Can we grab a break? Is yeah. that okay? We'll grab a break here. Hour number one of today's show was also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. Stand the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Mike Boddicker talking baseball. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports, if you miss it live, see it tomorrow. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Speaking of Mike Bees and folks from 105.7 The Fan, Mike Bordick joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark.
And Sports has all of your hydration-related T-shirts available right now if you are drinking from the Homer Hose. Celebrate with them by getting to birdlandsports.com. We've also got a kid's version doing the sprinkler. They've got a lot of really cool deals right now. They're doing a two-pack on the Birds and the Gunner Maverick shirt. That two-pack of T-shirts right now is just $20. It's a pretty good deal. I would get over right now to birdlandsports.com. Check it all out again, birdlandsports.com. Buy Birds fans for Birds fans. Speaking of the Birds, as we mentioned, they took two out of three from Chicago this weekend. Joining us now from Baltimore Baseball Tonight, 105.7 The Fan. He is our friend and former Oriole, Mr. Mike Bordick. He's back with us now here on GCR. Bordy, what's going on, brother? How are you? Uh, really good, man. How you doing today? Everything is good, my friend. Um, I, I'm in a really weird place because this is a super exciting team to watch. And the offense is outstanding. Jorge Mateo's revelation and all of those things. Adley Rutschman is already one of the greatest players in baseball history. I stand by it. I don't know how concerned I should be about the pitching because I know it's literally one-tenth of a season. Like, it's not nearly enough of a sample size to believe that this is the story, but there has been enough that's been concerning to me that I don't know that I can't say it won't still be an issue by the time we get to the summer. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I think uh, a lot of us Oriole fans are right there with you. I, you know, Brandon Hyde's come out and, and talked about the importance of pitchers getting deeper into ball games, um, and I think that's going to be as important uh, and probably a key to the Orioles' success this year as anything. And yeah, it's something that I think was kind of created over maybe the last eight or 10 years in major league baseball that, you know, starting pitchers max effort until the fifth inning. And then the bullpen comes along. And I don't know if every organization thought that there's just enough turnover where they can keep arms healthy and stuff, but this is really the first year, maybe the end of last year where Brandon Hyde just started kind of talking about the importance of starting pitchers, getting deeper into ball games. Now, hopefully that becomes, you know, what they work toward. I, it just hasn't seemed like it's been of the utmost priority for organizations, especially even the Orioles over the last four or five years. But uh, understanding that you've got to keep your bullpen healthy is really going to be the key to yeah. success for, for a lot of organizations. And I think the Orioles were pretty fortunate last year with their bullpen health um, in that I thought they were overused last year, and, and, I, and a lot of those arms threw more innings than they ever had, but they were able to stay healthy and stay consistent. This year, a little bit different story. There's some question marks, and I think Brandon Hyde would love to give them a little bit more rest uh, on occasion. I, I, look, all, everything you just said, a complete agreement with. Uh, let, me, let me dial in on a couple things specifically, one being, uh, look, Grayson Rodriguez is such a – it's a conundrum, right? <laughs> like – erase the first inning he might be the best pitcher in baseball <laughs> he's that good away from the first inning I assume it's yeah. as simple as skip him through the rotation this time around right um, and because you only have two games this week and you just keep rolling with it and you just keep trying to have him work through the first inning stuff and you believe that the talent wins out is there any part of you that says 
hey, maybe you got to do something different with Grayson Rodriguez. Like, what do you make of the first inning troubles and how you handle that with him moving forward? Well, I think historically the first innings could be the toughest for, for a lot of pitchers. I, I feel like Ben McDonald talks about that all the time. You know, you're just trying to find what you've got, what's going to work that night. A lot of times it could be a mindset, though, with uh, younger pitchers especially, and just trying to work through some of the, you know, the inconsistencies that potentially happen there. And, and who knows? I, I feel personally, I mean, I'm not a, was never a major league pitcher, but some of the stuff should be able to get resolved out in the bullpen prior to the game, especially a good mindset. Mm-hmm. But I, I even remember Mike Messina, a Hall of Fame, you know, legend, talked about he didn't know what he had until he got out on the mound in a game situation. So, he, of course, he was great because he was able to make, you know, quicker adjustments. And I think ultimately that's what a lot of the best starting pitchers of Major League Baseball do. They realize what they've got when they step out on the bump uh, and what they don't have, and then they just kind of subtly work through it to minimize the damage. And, and maybe that's something that Grayson's got to learn. Even Dean Kramer's had his, his problems early in ball games as well this year but uh it seems like yeah once he can get over that that first inning um you know then he he settles in and does a nice job which kind of kind of leads into you know tampa's philosophy a few years ago was let's have a bullpen piece be the starter in the game what do they call him opener and that would kind of in some ways get that starting pitcher over that anxiety of the first inning and then they'd throw the starter in there, and he'd end up pitching six or seven innings, whatever. Yarborough was the master, I think, at at kind of doing that. So who knows? I mean, you you think you'd try to experiment with a few things. I'm not sure if the Orioles would consider the opener, but uh, it's a different kind of ball game now, and and it might bode well. You you never Uh, He is Mike Bordick. He is with us here on GCR as we're talking about the Orioles after they take two out of three in Chicago this weekend. Mike, you know, we—I I don't know what else there is to say about Jorge Mateo, man. Like, how how do you explain someone having such a wildly different approach at the plate and the success that has come along with that? Well, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with his age and just the number of at bats he's now finally able to uh, put together at the major league level. Um, you know. The Oakland Athletics, uh, when they first started their Billy Ball uh, adventure, a big reason why they had success was they understood when players were going to start to become um, better professionals actually in their prime. And 28 was kind of typically that age where enough at-bats were kind of underneath a hitter's belt where they'd settle in, they'd be able to discipline their strike zone a little bit more, and I think Mateo is, is right there. And, and uh, I think he's just had that much more experience that, you know, helped him. And I, I think he'll have his ups and downs, but as major league hitters get more experience and they're able to kind of taste more success, which Mateo did at the end of last season, and they understand what's working, what doesn't, I, they're just able to make quicker adjustments, you know, on the fly. There aren't going to be as many. Well, there there probably will be downtimes but they just won't last as long and they won't be as intense as maybe in the past Mateo last year had close to 500 at bats that certainly helped him but a couple years prior 
he didn't get a lot of major league at bats. He was like looked at as a utility kind of guy. Yeah. They were trying to find a place for him defensively. And now all of a sudden he settled in. And like I said, was he 27? He may, he may be turning 28 uh, this year. But he's rated a perfect age where I think, you know, it, it's just going to help him become a more consistent pro. And, man, you know, he's really lighted it up offensively. And I know Brandon Hyatt loves that, especially down at the bottom of the order to have that kind of impact. And obviously it gives him an even greater impact on the base pass where he can just sort of casually take third base with no one out yeah. and, and like, whoa, man, that is aggressive, but he can do that type of thing. Um, you know, the other thing is on the flip side, Gunnar Henderson obviously is off to a difficult start to the season from, from a hitting standpoint, but I guess we're not, there's no reason to really be too over, you know, concerned about it because he's been so patient and so productive from an on-base standpoint that I, I guess you're probably got to be more than willing to let him work through those hitting issues while he's continuing to have good at-bats and get on base at the clip that he is. Well, I think that's pretty impressive, right, for a young player especially. I mean, the, the ability to, to uh, take his walks, not expand the zone, and not think that, you know, base hits are what's going to lead the way. Um, you know, for a number of years now, on-base percentage has been preached as more important. So that ability to get on base, I think, has really helped him. But I, I also know this. Um, what's been impressive to me um, for a young hitter to not be able to expand the zone because hits are what make you feel good, you know, and, and I know he wants those hits. I, I was a little concerned early on that they weren't giving him much consistency and kind of continuity, I guess, with the where he was playing defensively, where he was, you know, if he was going to get it back. And I think for a young player – Sometimes that's pretty hard. So there have been some early in the season challenges, I think, for Gunnar Henderson in that regard. Um, but he, I don't know, he handles himself so well. He's, he's so far above uh, his age, I think, with a, a baseball kind of IQ and, and understanding of what needs to be done. That Yeah, they can certainly be a little bit more patient with him because he's showing still um, great poise at the plate. He's not expanding. He doesn't appear to be putting too much pressure on himself, although I know just kind of watching him that he, he takes a lot of things personally. He wants to do as well as he can for this team, and the hits will be there. Uh, I think they will with just more consistent, you know, playing time at, at say, just third base right. or or, um, or just con more consistent in the lineup at a sitting slot. So to, to, to that point, is it your belief that they should just say, hey, nothing else, just play third, worry about nothing more than that, we got to stop messing around with this and just get you focused on your you know, your approach to hitting? You know, it, I yeah, I, I wish they could say that. Yeah. But where do you put Arias? You know what I mean? There, right. There's a problem, I guess, right now with the Orioles that they have so much talent. They have so many, you know, guys that uh, – you know, Arias proved himself. He's a gold glove winner for crying out loud. So you got to find ways to keep him in the lineup. In a perfect world, I think we'd all would love to see Gunnar Henderson out there every day playing third base and let him and Mateo just lock up that left side of the infield because I think they could be incredibly dominant. Now, that being said, well, why can't Arias do the same dang thing? He did it last year and he helped lead them to, uh, you know, a successful season. Um, but we're all kind of hanging our hopes on Gunnar Henderson and what he could potentially 
mean for the future of this franchise. So uh, they're in a tough spot right now. I ideally would love to see Gunner out there every day playing third base because I think he could be one of these, uh, you know, players that makes his mark in history. Uh, especially over there at the hot corner. All right. Do you want to chip in? We're trying to get a, a GoFundMe for it's probably going to be like I think at this point about a half a billion dollars for a ten-year contract for Adley Rutschman. Mike, are you prepared to throw a couple <laughs> bucks into that? I, I will. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, lock him up right now. Give him a couple extra years as well. That might right. be able to lower the price a little bit. Right. Yeah. Make it twelve years and uh, sure. And a half a billion, and I, yeah, I think he'd he'd be happy to sign. So listen, he's doing some amazing things. Um, he he's playing a lot, which is one thing I'm a little concerned about. Okay. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's played every day. Um, and you got to be careful, you know, behind the plate. Uh, he's young and strong, that's for sure. But you know, 162 game schedule is a different kind of animal, especially at the major league level with the intensity, the amount of thought that goes in and the mental challenges, I think, that happen at the major league level. I, I, I just, I don't know. I think there's a, a philosophy, too, at, at the major league level now where they kind of monitor that. But when your best player is someone that uh, is kind of proving himself every night out there, it's pretty tough to keep them out of the lineup. So, once again, they've kind of put themselves in, a, in an interesting situation. But they better be aware, you know, that uh, it's a long, tough season. Adley will have his downtime, and hopefully they can uh, manage him properly and keep him healthy uh, for the whole season. By the way, I did not realize. It literally has been every game. I did not realize that, that he hadn't had a single day off yet this season. Um, that is kind of remarkable. Again, I – I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I, you're probably right, Mike, but at this point, how the hell do you take him out of the lineup? He's the best player in baseball. Um, it's no, a, I hear you. It's I, tough, I man. You. It's tough. Mike Bordick, you are involved in so very many things, not just, obviously, Baltimore baseball tonight on 105.7 The Fan, but, uh, of course, the baseball warehouse, uh, your wonderful charity endeavors. Let me let me get through the whole rundown. What all can we plug for you, sir? Wow. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again for letting me uh, speak on this. League of Dreams is off and running, and you got to check it out, leagueofdreams.org. We just did a really fun event uh, up at Frederick Community College, which we are part of. We've got a great partnership with the Maryland School for the Blind, and they bust some kids up there to play beat baseball on the softball field up there at Frederick Community College. That was a lot of fun, uh, and we're thankful for Frederick Community College to include us in that event. Uh, last time we spoke, I, I mentioned the Let's Play Ball campaign. I encourage everybody to, to pay attention to that. It's on May 13th, and it's to celebrate our teachers and administrators from Baltimore County Public Schools. We're going to have a great softball uh, charity event at the Carver Technical High School right off of York Road on May 13th. We're also going to have a League of Dreams event that day. And we're also going to have a home run derby with Rick Dempsey will be there, nice. uh, Larry Bigby, uh, a bunch of other stars. So it's going to be a lot of fun to be a part of that. And uh, thank you so much for letting me mention I, it. I, did I see that Dempsey's coming back to get involved with the baseball warehouse, by the way? He sure is, man. What a great ambassador, That's awesome. right, for the game of baseball. And now I uh, want to continue to promote the game for our, our youth in the area. 
Yeah, he's awesome. Everybody loves Rick Dempsey. I love that guy. He is the best. Mike Bordick, always appreciate you, sir. We will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Mike Bordick with us here on GCR. Uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, I'm not going to do an update today on the Lamar meter based on the Jalen Hurts contract, in part because I just need to get a better feel for exactly how it impacts Lamar. We'll wait and we'll 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 use that for an update tomorrow. What I would say is Im- immediately my thought is I do think it's helpful for Lamar's argument, right? Like I think that he's not hell-bent on fully guaranteed, you know, for the entirety of the contract, right? Who? So Lamar, Lamar. Well, so like that I in mean, that sense it doesn't hurt but but it, it it's a weird thing where yeah. like no he's it, it's so difficult to read through all of these various reports like the the one that was most recent was like but he wants at least 200 million fully guaranteed yeah. right so like how are you you're, you're doing a 250 million dollar contract with just 200 million fully guaranteed like i guess you could do that but what if they did a 201 million dollar contract i don't 200 I don't, I don't know man i don't know um I just need to see how it... I just think there's so much here. Like, this is the weird part about this. It feels like you should have parameters in place. Now, Lamar would say, if that's what Jalen Hurts got, Jalen Hurts has never been an MVP. I'm a better player than Jalen Hurts. The Ravens, if they're still inclined to try to negotiate, would say, yeah, but he got to a Super Bowl, and you didn't. And then Lamar would say, but he was given A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith to try to get him to a Super Bowl. Which is the fascinating part about this report from Mike Lombardi last week, which is like, is this Lamar finally speaking up and saying, you're trying to hold against me your failures. Your failures to identify wide receivers, to prioritize the position you're trying to hold against me. You want it to be my fault that you never gave me a qualified offense to work with. So I'm not going to shut up about that any longer. You've got to go get me football players. Now, again, do I think that Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins are the correct answers? I mean, I think A.J. Brown was a far better answer a year ago, but I get it. He cost a lot more, and I don't know that the Titans would have traded within the AFC. But the point, I think, is well taken. If, If this thing, go get me Odell, go get me DeAndre Hopkins, is Lamar finally saying... This is bull-ass, what you've done to me. This has to change. You have to start prioritizing this position on the field and stop being cheap there. I don't blame him for that one bit. I I don't know who in this city would even attempt to argue. Some of you would be like, well, they used two first-round picks on him. One, the, what, sixth best wide receiver of a class when they took the first one? And then who they turned around and traded and replaced with no one. You don't get to say that. this thing where you just brainlessly, well, they used two first-round picks on wide receivers and then just got rid of one of them. Just got rid of them. 
who was better with Lamar Jackson than he was in Arizona. Lamar Jackson got absolutely as much as you could possibly gotten out of Hollywood Brown. And they replaced him with no one. You don't just get to keep saying things because it's brainlessly true, so that's the only thing that matters. The Ravens have not prioritized wide receiver point blank. And if Lamar Jackson is finally signing, I'm going to speak up about that, on board. Do I trust that the Ravens are going to fix it? Not necessarily. Got way too much of a track record that says otherwise. But on board with not shutting up about how woeful it's been and how you failed. It ain't Lamar Jackson's fault that the receivers stink. But what does it mean? I think, I think it should mean that the Ravens should read the tea leaves and say, all right, this is where the contracts are headed. If this is what Jalen Hurts got, I don't know exactly what Joe Burrow is going to sign for because the Bengals are notoriously cheap, but we all think that Joe Burrow is better than Jalen Hurts. So presumably he should sign for more than Jalen Hurts. I don't think Lamar Jackson should be expected to get less than that. So I think it should set up parameters for trying to be able to get a deal done. Do I know that? Am I confident? How could I be? Been paying attention to it. We've been doing it. By the way, the meter somehow slid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the meter knows. Right, we got to do something about right. this. We got to. Right. I don't know if we can get Gwen's quick. chili bowl on it. We got to. This is far too. This is far too important and far too central to how we do things. It's definitely not 100%. Somebody's tuning into the show today like, they moved it to 100%? No, I promise you, it's not. We got a, we got a meter issue going on here. We're going to have to tape it every day? That's not great. That's not great. We're going to have to figure out something. Uh, we got a bit of a meter problem on our hands. Um, all right, that's what we'll do for now. Um, look, I again, I think, I think this sets up to be a positive step towards getting a deal done i think but there's lots of things that i've thought that haven't been the case i hope that this creates the framework for the ravens to be able to say okay it's amazing too how everybody says well you can't pay your quarterback this amount of money you just can't win when you do that it's funny because the eagles think you can and you guys just kept praising them and going on and on about how smart they were and how brilliant their front office is. So did they suddenly get stupid? Or is it maybe that you can do this? Now, what specifically will ultimately cost the Eagles? I got to dive into when you know, the money hits the most and you know, what decisions they might have to make at certain positions. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. They'll have to make tough decisions too. They will not be able to keep such a top-to-bottom quality roster together for years to come. But when they have to make those decisions, I don't know exactly either. We'll have to take a look at it. Um, it's what I keep saying. This is what quarterbacks cost. You got one or you don't got one. The Eagles think they have one. Most people would argue that he's, you know, he ain't a top-three quarterback. Two years ago, we had questions about whether or not he was even a quality NFL quarterback. But they get it. They've got a guy. And they know the hell that comes along with not having a guy. 
because they had Carson Wentz once. So they understand this is the cost of doing business. And I appreciate that. And I know the Ravens want to pay Lamar Jackson, but it looks right now like Lamar Jackson's got a strong argument for being worth a little bit more than the Ravens were willing to offer him. And we'll see what the pa- the impact of that is. I, I just don't know. As far as the meter is concerned, I don't know. I got I to gotta think about it a little bit longer before we can have that conversation. All right. Man, I'm still pretty mad at this guy because he just doesn't... I would really like it if he would just effing watch Succession already. Like it's really infuriating to me that I want to talk about Succession on a Monday and he can't talk about it with me. Ah, it was fascinating last night. Uh, of course, from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, he is our friend Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, Manny? I can't wait to watch uh, Succession and see all of its glamour, but did you, I guess you finally caught up. Is, is, is oh, yeah, I'm caught up. over? No, this is the final season. The okay. last two episodes have been – like the, I, I told you last week, last Sunday's episode was the most significant in the history of the show. And now Ooh. everything post that, like, really – I think everybody is aware generally of what Succession is all about. It's about these awful humans that are all heirs to a Rupert Murdoch-type media figure, and they all constantly fight with each other to try to become the heir to this empire. And they all suck, and they're all weasels, and they all change their mind – like, they form an alliance with each other, then back out of the alliance with each other. Then they try to find an outside partner to form with, and they back. It's like the winds change constantly, and no one is actually likable. And yet, within this context, you find yourself rooting for some of them in moments. Like, in a moment, you're like, I like this guy now, or I like her now. I like Shib now. But, like, you don't actually like them because then they turn around within three minutes and remind you of how truly awful and wretched they are. And you can't stop watching it, and... It's gone into hyperdrive over the course of the last two episodes. Like, things have kicked up a notch. And I have so many, like, debates now about what I want, where I want it to ultimately go, knowing that the, se- the show is going to end this season. And I would really like to talk to you about that, but you're a jerk and you only think about yourself and you don't watch Succession. So I, I, I just got to be honest with you, I kind of hate you. No, it's okay. I mean, we'll, we'll get through this together. I don't know um, if we will. As a, as a unit. Um <laughs> I <laughs> I am caught up on Ted Lasso, and then we watch. I told you, Shrinking is great on on Apple. Um, Apple's got a couple of shows that are pretty good, I think. So, so I, you're right. Uh, I need then, to I need to get on in on Shrinking. I, you're right about that. Yeah. I am caught up on Ted Lasso. I, you think? By the way, again, when we do this, if you're not caught up, I don't know. Give me thirty seconds. Give me two minutes. Whatever it is. Where do you think they're going now with Zava? Do you think he comes back? Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think he's still going to be in the show, and they'll have some interesting. I think Jamie ends up. What I think happens is Jamie ends up I with just, all the working workouts and things he's been doing. That he becomes the guy he was in the first series. You know, like not 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 a jerk, but a okay. really good player. Really, that, yeah, a star. That's player. what I think. And then they buy into the whole team atmosphere and go on and make a run. Whether or not that amounts and winning the whole thing. Ultimately, I think what they're going to do is they probably knock out West Ham and then. Uh, end up losing after that or something, but she gets what she I, wants. I think, I think they have to have him. Here's the the interesting part about what they did here: they didn't really make him a jerk. Like they made Zava really likable over yeah. the like the, the the his run on the show. Like yes, he was a a star and kind of a diva a little bit, but like 
he went out to team functions and he told the guys that he appreciated. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that they do an arc where he's doubting himself and then he comes. I Like, I think if they had done the bit where he was just an a-hole, like purely a selfish prick, then maybe they get later in the season, the team starts winning again, he tries to come back, and they're like, no, dude, no, go F yourself. Like, you don't get to come back. But they didn't do that. They didn't make him that guy. They made him a, a really likable teammate, despite the fact that he got four lockers and everybody else got one. Like, I, I, I think there could still be a story about him being a part of it at some point. I did like the Z A V A over the two lockers. I thought it was wonderful. Um, yeah, and then I, I liked the I kinda liked the scene with Nate. My wife actually said something. She said they're not gonna make us start liking him again, are they? Is oh, that I, what they're trying I told, to do? I told you from day one. I told you from day one this is not gonna be about Nate getting his comeuppance. It's gonna be the exact opposite thing. I told you that before the season began. It yeah. is not everybody wants Nate to get his comeuppance, but it's not the case. Ted loves Nate. I, that's that's part of the story, and Ted, the ultimate nice guy, is going to end up doing something to help Nate, and the story is going to be more about Nate's, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Nate leaves West Ham and ends up becoming the coach at Richmond at the end of the season. Like, I think that's absolutely in the cards. That could be. I mean, that would be something that's interesting. And um, do they now? It all depends on how they want to finish this thing up, too. How many more seasons? This isn't the last season for it, is well, I, it? I think they... we all thought it was the last season. And then I saw Brett Goldstein doing an interview where, like, he was like, I don't, we don't want it to be the last season. Like, there was some, I, I think there is now some, yeah, it was definitely, we might have some it was definitely announced as the final season. It was 100% announced as the final season of Ted Lasso. But I definitely saw an interview with Brett Goldstein recently where he talked about, like, well, that's not what we want. We want to be able to do more of it. So, I, yeah, to your point, I wonder if there is a show that continues just without Jason Sudeikis in, in some sort. And I would make an argument they have set it up that they could do that or in a, a significantly lesser role that there could still be a show that exists beyond if Ted Lasso is no longer the coach at Richmond. Yeah, they could also have him pop in and come yep. back. And, yep. You know, like uh, there, there's all different types of things they can do. But, it, it, look, I – it's kind of hard for me, and I've heard some other people taking shots at it. I just love the show so much that it's hard for me to, to just dog it. If it gets really bad, then I will. But, um, it's you know, it's the hard part about trying to create something and, and continue it. Like I was telling somebody else, I've been watching Criminal Minds with my wife restarting the series. And um, I watched it. I used to love it. What, and what? then now, like when I'm why downtime, every... I watch Criminal Minds. Okay, yeah. I, this is weird because you, you're saying you actually enjoy it. Because I was going to say, why is it that every – female on the face of the planet is obsessed with criminal minds ncis and law and order svu what is that oh no no i i i hate criminal minds now. Okay. it's All so right. ridiculous All right. like I, but i'm like we're, we're i said i was going to watch the whole thing because i did i loved the first seven seasons but you realize how many different stories you run out of like you have to constantly create things and the stuff that they do is so ridiculous that it's just so over the top that it's even though it's a dark kind of violent show they try to make it too campy sometimes you know, and it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just a twisted individual and I want to see, uh, the world burn. I don't, maybe that's it. I don't know, man. I, I think, I, I, I think it's a, an interesting statement because I look at all these shows and I can't remember which my wife will be sitting down watching one. And I'll be like, is this the one with the girl with the hair? And she'll be like, no, it's the other one. I'll be like, all right, I'm out. I don't know. I don't, they all run together <laughs> for me, man. Every single one of them runs together at some point to your point about Ted Lasso, by the way, I, I thought the speech at the end of this one was really important. Like, mm-hmm. not only was it a good scene, right, but I think it was the thing that kind of said, hey, there's an, 
you're going to be invested the rest of the way this season. I thought it was a good moment for, hey, let, we're going to bring this thing back together, remind you there's still a Ted story to tell here. There's still I, – I thought that was a really important scene for where the show was going. I also kind of love the fact that they had uh, Leslie flirt with the idea of firing him. Like, I thought that was smart. Yeah. I thought those were good, well, too. The other funny thing about this show, and just, just a peek behind the curtain with me, is like – when I watch shows, usually my favorite characters on the show are like the ancillary pieces. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for people that watched uh, Game of Thrones, like I love the Hound, and I like. I mean, I, some of these I love Daria, who's kind of a main character, and and Jamie Lannister, I thought was the best character on the show. But but the fact remains, like when you look at some of these shows, like it's it's never the main main character, and you could argue that Game of Thrones really didn't have one; they had a couple. Yeah. But like other shows, I I find it hard to like. I mean, I like Roy Ken, I like some other characters, but I, I love everything that has Ted Lasso in it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the campy dad jokes and the, uh, you know, the twisted metaphors that he has and all the other things that he does, but I like the show. I don't know. I, I kind of, I, but I still, I think I could be on board even without him moving forward. I really do. I, I think they can okay. make it happen. All right. Um, now, with that being said, do you, what is it, when you see the contract for Jalen Hurts today? Mm-hmm. What does it make you think in terms of the likelihood of there being a structure to get a Lamar Jackson deal done? I mean, I feel like it should have already been done. I feel like we're at a, at a weird standstill. Like I said, you know, I, my whole thing with like contract negotiations is you can ask for anything. You can ask for the world if you want, but you have to be reasonable when they come back and say, Hey, we can't give you that. Here's what we're offering. And usually a negotiation has, Oh, almost like a war people moving inside you know you got this one step forward you know they're taking a step forward you're going at each other but this feels a lot like they're coming closer to him closer to him closer to him so I, I don't know if he ever bends and then if you buy into the story that Michael Lombardi told about uh you know Lamar basically told the Ravens go get D Hop and go get Odell and we can talk they said they couldn't do that. They right. can't get both of them. Right. Um, I don't know what that means yeah, you know I like I don't know either it just seems weird because the, the contract Jalen Hurts got very fair, very good contract. I think Lamar's better. Hurts uh, went to a Super Bowl. Lamar's won an MVP. I mean, you could look at both of them. There were questions about Jalen Hurts was their guy at the beginning of the season. I think everybody knows Lamar should be their guy, but I do think, this is my opinion, that the money that was offered was unbelievably fair, and even more so than that. He's well, getting paid over what the other guys are pay- getting paid, and he still hasn't budged. And I didn't get to mention this when we were talking about it. They, the, 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 again, when we see these numbers, we always have to know exactly what they mean. And the initial yeah. report that is $179 million guaranteed sounds like, well, th- you know, this changes the world until you find out that it's just $110 million in fully guarantees, which set, fully yeah. guaranteed money, which suggests that the Ravens, with 133 in fully guaranteed money, have still offered the best offer that Lamar Jackson could possibly get. Now, if he continues... And, and be here, honest, though, because that's a 200 million... It's a, it's a 133 fully guaranteed, but if right. he's on the roster year three, which it seems damn near impossible that the Ravens could cut right. him with the cap that they take, that it's $200 million fully guaranteed, even though they can't say that. Right. This is, well, it's a difference in essential or what they call total guarantees versus fully guaranteed. And so, again, mm-hmm. if you read the Jalen Hurts thing, and at first you said, is it possible that... That's fully. That's 179 fully million, uh, guaranteed money. Then that's a game changer, and it completely moves the market. But it's not. It's 110 and fully guaranteed, and it's not quite what it is that Lamar Jackson was offered uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. So, to your point, it still smells like the Ravens have the best offer on the table, and it doesn't 
really change the needle all that much because it's up to Lamar Jackson to choose whether he's ultimately going to take that deal if he believes that's the market or continues to try to push the issue somehow. And I, I don't. Man, I have no clue. I just have no clue how this continues to play out, and I'm kind of with you there. I did think it was interesting, too, because and I wrote about it today for Pressbox, Jeremy. Like This thing for Michael Lombardi, we've always believed that the only issue with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens was related to the money. Like This is the money that I want. Either you're going to pay me or not. Is there any chance that what he was letting out, if this is what his camp said, was that, by the way, I'm finally going to choose to speak up about your piss-poor handling of the wide receiver position, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, y- y'all, y'all are trying to negotiate with me when you failed me at that position. You've been woeful at that position, and I'm not going to shut up about it any longer. You want to negotiate over something and say, you know, I, who knows what they're saying in the room. Like, hey, well, here's what your, your production level has been ver- versus other quarterbacks. And he wants to sit back and say, Dude, if you had given me real football players, my production might be more like those other quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, and I, and I kind of get that because everybody likes to throw numbers out there and compare. It's, you know, like when NFL Network or PFF or I mean, maybe I'm not using the right outlets, but they'll put something out there and they'll usually stack these statistics up. It's like this guy has more catches than Odell Beckham. He's got more yards than so-and-so and he's got more touchdowns. What does that mean exactly? Okay, he's got he's better than these guys at these three aspects. But with with Lamar, like I do think he's an upper echelon quarterback that you can win with clearly. Um, but he has not had the weapons that other people have had. It's not even close when you think about it. And think about him winning an MVP with with the guys he had. And let's let's be honest too. Whether it's the Orioles or Ravens, fans here fall in love with their own. So. Like, I even brought up Devin Duvernay today. I was like, man, Devin Duvernay's got to be feel slighted if Lamar's saying he wants two new wide receivers. And I'm going, well, who the hell is Devin Duvernay to feel that way? Right. You know. Like, um, but, but in the end, though, you're right. He, he needs more weapons. He needs, that's the only fair way to judge him. And I, th- I feel like they should have done this sooner and trying to get somebody so you'll, get a, a, you know, you, you'll understand what type of player he is when he does have the weapons. Or was it the system or – there's so many different things we can get into. Yeah, and to, to the point, like, this might be his way of saying, yeah, we can do this, but now I need to go out and put up an explosive year in a Todd Munkin offense and throw in the ball and with better players around me, and then we can talk about a long-term contract after that, right? I, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that this mattered to him because my belief was the Odell Beckham thing was to pacify him for now. But it's it's more fascinating when he says, like, and then we can talk. Does that mean that, like, now he's willing to go to the table about a long-term deal. like Because we know part of the problem has been, like there's just not really been a lot of conversation in general with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Like, Is this enough for him to say, all right, fine, you're right, you got the best deal on the table, now you're showing me that you're willing to consider the issue at wide receiver. I- I- I'll talk to you. We can go back and have that long-term conversation because if it's just about one year, we're just going to be in the same position that we were you know, right now, a year from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, like when you look at the way the contract was structured, I'm hoping a lot of the Lamar stands kind of understand that the Ravens weren't lowballing him. I mean, that's it's a better offer than any of these cats have gotten um, so far. So I don't I don't understand why the Ravens aren't doing what he's asking them to well, do or how yeah. some people. Like I said today, um, you know, I just thought it was I was talking about him asking for Odell Beckham and and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and some guy replies to me, he's like, "Why is that ridiculous?" Well, you got to understand the financials. This isn't a it's not baseball where they don't have a salary cap. And even then you have a luxury tax you got to deal with. 
you, you got to be able to make everybody work and still be able to keep everyone. Like some people just look at it as right now. It's like, go get all these guys. Like after they got Odell, people were screaming, now go get DeAndre. And I'm going, wait a minute. If you're going to get D hop and bring him in here with this, like it's fine. But how are you making that work financially along the way? And then are you, if you're trading for him, you have five draft picks. What are you giving up for him? Oh, it's tough, right? You know? and, and the Cardinals yeah. might very well say we're not going to move him for less than a second-round pick, right? Like that everybody yeah. says, well, hey, nobody's offering a second-round pick. And the Cardinals say, right, but we're not just going to move him for the sake of moving him. Like we're not just going to sell him for pennies on the dollar. Like that's the way it is. You got to give us a second-round pick or we're not willing to make the trade. And the Ravens don't have that. I Again, I get yeah. it. I, I, I don't think you can allow your quarterback to become your general manager. But at the same time, I also think that you have to acknowledge you have failed miserably, like miserably at this position, and there is nothing wrong with the quarterback stepping up and finally saying, yeah, this is a problem, man. Like, the, I, I can't continue to live in a world where you're just like, hey, wide receiver doesn't matter. I, I, that does not work for me, and it shouldn't work for any football. I get it. The Chiefs were able to pull it off last year. They abandoned wide receiver and won the Super Bowl anyway because Patrick Mahomes might be the greatest quarterback in football history. They're the one example of it in ever in modern football mm-hmm. of a team that has been able to devalue wide receiver and still succeed anyway. It does not happen. It is this nonsense thing where you say, well, the, the quarterback's got to make these other players better. You don't have examples of that. Jalen Hurts stunk until they went out and got two rock star wide receivers and now they're paying him $50 million a season. Like, I, yeah. it's just not the way this works. It is fine for me for Lamar Jackson to call out the Baltimore Ravens and say, you failed, fix it. Fix it. Wide receiver has to matter moving forward. You can't continue to believe that you can do this without wide receiver being a serious part of the conversation. Are you at all worried? I had somebody bring this up to me on Friday, a uh, radio host out of Boston, saying that he believes the new ownership group was Washington is going to make a run at Lamar. Are you at all worried about that? Because now it's a different mindset with yeah, somebody new coming in. I've had a couple people bring yeah. that up to me. Am I, am I worried about it? I still think it's tough time-wise. Like, when is this actually going to be done? You know what I mean? Like that, so, yeah. so we thought it was done on Thursday. As it turns out, they're, they're still even listening to bids. From the point that they listen to bids, when do the owners get together and improve the change, right? Like, what, what is the actual timeline for this? Because I do think that at some point you simply run out of time for it to be the value that the folks, the, the new ownership group in Washington would want. If they don't officially take over until like late June to then try to work out a trade for Lamar Jackson, you're talking about this not going through until right before the season begins, then it's difficult. The part of the value is you want the splash. You want the announcement of Lamar Jackson to sell season tickets and to completely get the the city invested in the fan base reinvigorated and i don't know if you're going to be able to do that do i think it would be smart for them f yes i do i think it would be brilliant for them to get involved but from a sheer timing yeah. perspective i do just wonder if they run out of time in order to try to pull it off and get the value out of it that they would want so i'm wondering what happens if if this uh the lamar issue goes past the draft unless somebody's already talked about a possible agreement for this or that once we get closer to it you know, how you look at it, because clearly if you're the Ravens, you would probably have an idea of which teams you would like to make a move for Lamar if you you had to trade him, you know, if it wasn't going to work out. And I assume Washington's not one of those teams. You'd rather have a higher draft pick, but I don't know. I mean, it was just something that was brought up this weekend that I thought was pretty interesting. And, you know, you hear all those rumors, but that's one that 
you could kind of see oh, happening yeah. when people bring up other teams like, oh, Belichick might want to get right. him, and, and I, I get it, but like that one at least makes sense. I'm with you. All right, uh, how concerned are you about the Orioles pitching at this point? Not too much. Uh, you know, look, it, it hasn't been great um, by any stretch, and then now you look at, you know, comparing it to the rest of the division, you watch what Garrett Cole did last night, and you, you see the Blue Jays and the, the pitching that, uh, Tampa has. I don't think anybody's worried about Boston, and it's like yeah, I think you really have to look within your division, not just around the league. Even though you you might be playing them a little bit less this year, but um, the fact is that you know I, I think Grayson's going to be fine. I look at his three starts, and I'm not trying to give him a pass, but you start on the road against Jacob Degrom. Your family's there, a couple hours away from you know where you grew up, and then you go back home for your home opener on T-shirt night against one of the worst teams in baseball, and you struggle there. Uh, and then now going up against Dylan Cease uh, over the weekend, there are some concerns. I mean, ZRA's high, the whip's high, but I, I do like that he settled down in two of those three starts. His next start will be against the Tigers, who are the worst team against right-handed pitching, so maybe that'll tell us a little bit more about him. The other guys, you know, we haven't seen enough. Like, I want to see Bradish come back. Uh, I was disappointed how Cole Irvin started the season. And so it has been concerning, but remember all these years where, like, when they pitch, they don't hit. When they hit, they don't pitch. I mean, the hitting's been dynamite so far. At least the on-base percentage has. The the offense has been absurd. I mean, other than Ryan yeah. Mountcastle's on-base percentage, which at some point we're going to have to talk about because we can't always just get mesmerized by the fact that he hits home runs. I mean, it's abysmal. Like it's it's abysmal what Ryan Mountcastle's yeah. on-base percentage. Well, is and conversely, at. look at Gunner. Gunner, who's back right. in the Correct. one, whatever, wild, right? on-base percentage. Of- Three seventy-five. Yeah, it's a two hundred point difference between his batting average and his on base percentage. It's nuts. Like, I, I, and again, that's why I'm not really concerned about. I, like, it's funny because we all were mesmerized by the home runs he was hitting, but right now I'm more concerned about Ryan Mountcastle than I am about Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson, it feels like if you can continue to have this type of plate discipline, the the results are going to come. Like, he's going to be fine if this is how disciplined he's going to be capable of being at the plate. If Ryan Mountcastle's not capable of that. I don't know what the number of home runs that you have to hit is in order to make up for the fact that you are – what is reasonable? I don't think he's a 240 guy as an on-base guy, but if you hit if you hit 35 home runs, which is a great number, what does your on-base percentage have to be in order to justify that? Like, Oh, man. That's a tough question because – like you're saying everything that I want to hear um, because I, I feel like people don't want to listen to that because you bring up Brian Mountcastle and people are like, what are you talking about? Look at the home runs. Look at the RBI. Yes. But it's the other parts. And that's why I've said all along that ultimately I think Mountcastle and probably Hayes are two guys that they're, they could look to move to better this team with a prospect and go get a more established player sure. um, or one of their guys. Like, you know, like even though Ron, like when you look at Mountcastle and the bombs he said, and that huge game he had uh, not that long ago back, back at home, I, you, you, look, I love all that stuff, but you still have to factor in all the things that this team looks at analytically. And sure, like you pointed out, if you're hitting a ton of home runs, it's very easy to overlook batting average or on base percentage if you're doing that. But it's when that you're next, because you know at some point you're going to hit that low where you're not hitting the bombs, and then we're going to focus right in on that on base percentage like you're talking about. We, so, like we all know that uh, a year ago, 22 home runs and a 300 on base percentage is not enough to to guarantee that that guy is your first baseman moving forward. Like there's going yeah, to be need, some there's going to be someone else that comes out. along that's going to be an option at first base that's going to have a chance to be more productive. We all know that's not enough. Now again, he's off to a hotter start with the home run bat this year, right? Like there's reason to believe he's going to hit more than 22 home runs. He's on pace to hit about 60. I don't think he's going to do that. But 
we know it's he's on pace to be a better than 22 home run guy but where does the where do those numbers work to say this is definitively our first baseman of the future and a guy that we're going to promise a position to that is is pretty much the position that you give to somebody who can't play somewhere else right like is yeah. is it enough for him to be a 30 home run 300 on base percentage guy i don't know i don't i don't i don't know what the answer to that is and I got to figure that out. I am concerned about Mountcastle. But yes, to your point, the offense is outstanding. I am concerned but not panicked about the totality of the pitching. Fair enough. I think that's probably where I am too. Yeah. All right. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, we're all in all week. Um, so Rob's got to make the hike to D.C. Uh, going back and forth with the, oh, uh, the Orioles. So sucks. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. So he's got to do that. But Ed's back. Had some fun stories with Ed, you know, with his birthday weekend. And um, so I'm sure we'll get more into that. And I was telling stories about my grandmother and how messed up my family is. So I'm sure oh, we'll do a little bit more of that. Oh, good. No, I've never heard. Your family messed up? I don't know about yeah. that, pal. <laughs> that Tight bloodlines, baby. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Purebred. Uh, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you again next Monday. All right, thanks, man. Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. Um, John and Little Rock, and I, I get it. Like, John and Little Rock says, do you think Lamar should get more money than Burrow or Hurts? Yes, these two guys have had way more wide receiver weapons, but LJ has not won the amount of playoff games and taken their team to the Super Bowl. LJ has been absent for two straight Decembers. That's the part that everybody wants to use as some sort of poison pill in these conversations. And I'm. This is as clear as I can explain it. If the Baltimore Ravens believe that Lamar Jackson's absence the last two Decembers is related to some sort of chronic issue that questions his availability, they shouldn't pay him at all. They should move on. It's not a negotiating ploy. You either think the guy is your quarterback or you think you can't trust him. It's this silly thing that we attempt to do, and I have no doubt the Ravens have attempted to use and held hold against him because that's negotiating. But to be abundantly clear, I'm not going to waver on this. If they are at all concerned that Lamar Jackson has chronic health problems, is as is a more significant risk than someone else because of something related to his body. Not his playing style, because again, neither one of these injuries occurred while he was running. If related to his body, they are concerned about Lamar Jackson long-term, then they should either have already been hell-bent on trying to trade him, or they should just ride it out for the two years of a franchise tag and move on. It should not be relevant in terms of negotiating a long-term deal. If you believe that he is of no greater risk than anybody else, it just so happens to be that for these two years, he got hurt at the end of the year. Is that more relevant? As I've said this before, he's missed the same number of games that Tom Brady missed in the first decade of his career. It happens to be that all of Tom Brady's came in the same season. 
Now, Lamar Jackson's also not through a full decade. Maybe he's going to miss more games. I get it. But that part of it will not, it will not be relevant to me. They've got to make a medical decision about Lamar Jackson. You don't get to build that risk into the equation. You either think there's a risk or you don't. If you do, you don't pay him anything. If you don't, then you don't get to try to use it in negotiating. Like I, I, I never stand for that. Yeah, but like you know, he hasn't been on the field in December the last two years, right? Because he's got a chronic injury problem. Like I, this is relevant when we talk about Tua Tungavailoa. That that dude, legitimately at this point, you have to ask yourself, when's the one going to be that's going to end his career? I don't feel that way about Lamar Jackson. I think it's unfortunate. I think it stinks that he's gotten hurt twice. But there's nothing that I have been told that suggests that it is a chronic injury. That it is something, it's, it's different injuries. Football players get hurt. And he's made effort to, you know, not have these kind of injuries happen to him. He, he added the 20 pounds last year. Like, he... he, he he he's aware that other people view it as a problem, and which again and was, I I was I was a it. little confused it. by because I just yeah. don't I, th- that wasn't like that to me is the I just want to be a pocket passer and I need to be ready to get sacked like that is I'm prepared to be more reckless and to be more at risk of getting hurt. the 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 secret is that for as stupid as people are about this topic, we know that Lamar Jackson was extraordinarily good at not getting hurt because his elusiveness was so ridiculous that you couldn't get him in the open field. It's they, a weird it's a weird thing. They still couldn't, I mean. To the to the flip side, do I think that he deserves he should get more money than Bur- Burrow or Hurts? The Ravens do. I mean, we know that. The Ravens already put out an offer that's more than Hurts. So, at that point, kind of what does it matter for me? Do I think that he should get more money than Burrow or Hurts? Um I mean, I definitely think he's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Like I can't I, I can't play with that. I know Jalen Hurts had an, a magical season a year ago. In the best circumstances that maybe a quarterback's ever right. been given. I, I, I don't, from a sheer, what are you capable of doing, person-to-person talent, I don't think there's a, I, I can't fathom there being a debate. Unless, again, you believe that Lamar Jackson will just never be capable of being the same quarterback. I don't, I don't know how there could be a debate. Could there be a debate about Burrow? Absolutely. It's, it's almost impossible to know. Like, what would Joe Burrow be if he didn't have good wide receivers to throw the ball to? I still think he'd be really good. I don't know that he would be America's sweetheart. But I think he'd be really good because I think he's a really good football player. I, I think Lamar is at least comparable to Joe Burrow. I think he's at least in the conversation as an overall football player. And I would understand this argument more if Lamar was in his 30s, right? And, like, we were started to see a decline in his... Like, we, we talk about, well, he can't do this forever. He can't be this... He's 25. That's the, like, that's the part about this that I struggle with so much. I, is somebody talking about forever? 
like, it's it's why yeah. I'd be more inclined to do it now and not try to do it after another year on the franchise tag, right? Like, mm-hmm. like now you're do it now and then revisit it in five years and see what he is as a football player. But the idea that suddenly at at such a young age, Lamar Jackson's not going to be the same dynamic runner tomorrow. Again, I get that argument in his 30s. I understand that debate once he gets to a deeper point in his career. He just turned 26. Like, a five-year deal takes him to the age of 31. The playoffs would be in his age of 31. Like, I, I, I don't see him that falling apart in the next three years. So, more money than Burrow? It's comparable for sure comparable and perhaps more money and again that might be the tax that you pay i I don't know do i think that they should be guiding lights do i think that at some point like again at first i thought this was good news for lamar but then when i finally saw what the total guarantee like the total versus fully guaranteed numbers were i retract that it's not good news for lamar it's the mistake in how we report contract figures. Because guaranteed really doesn't mean... Well, it's it, like, again, essential guarantees are relevant, and it's like Jalen Hurts is essentially getting $179 million in guaranteed money, but Lamar Jackson can essentially get more than that on the deal that was already offered by the Ravens. He wants fully guaranteed. And Jalen Hurts didn't get that. He didn't do it. His fully guaranteed number is less than what the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson fully guaranteed. So, it's not good news for Lamar. It's good news for the Ravens. Does that change anything? Does that make Lamar more likely to budge? Does it make... I don't know. I mean, he's dug in this deep. I, I, I don't know. I expect Joe Burrow's number to be bigger than Jalen Hurts. Again, I, we, I just, we're not at a place where I can talk about Jalen Hurts like I talk about these other guys. And I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a really good quarterback. But I don't think there's anything about Jalen Hurts that suggests he's these guys. That he's Allen and Mahomes. Is that, and Lamar. And Lamar. And Burrow. Like, I think that, to me... He's a cleared five. He's... Uh, I still think I would have Herbert and Lawrence mm-hmm. both above him as well. Like, I, I, I think there would be a set... Like, I think he's... He might be in that group. I don't know. It's, I'm still yeah. very, yeah. It's still very tough to me. It's tough because it's hard to not to completely erase what Jalen Hurts was before A.J. Brown showed up, before the Eagles decided to invest in wide receiver. And a lot of people said the same thing about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, right? Like, before Stephon Diggs was there, he was not this guy. But I, I accept it now. I think Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback, so I think he's in that conversation. But Lamar Jackson has never had it. Never. Has never had... Either that game changing these top two guys yeah. they have in Philadelphia. Either of the top three guys they've had in Cincinnati. Ever matters to me in this conversation. All right, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. We'll wind things down for a Monday edition of the program. As we continue along, uh, today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. You can bet baseball on your phone this season for the first time here in the state of Maryland. So get the best incentives and offers for doing so. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim this incentive and more. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait. Did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Uh, again, the big news today being Jalen Hurts getting a five-year, $255 million deal, which, again, sounds very explosive and quote-unquote makes him the highest-paid player in football, but... We find out that it's not nearly as much guaranteed as, and fully guaranteed, total guarantees. It's a whole different world, but not even as much as the Ravens had offered Lamar Jackson, and so we continue to try to figure it out. I just tweeted about that. I just need to dive in. Like, Again, it's easy for me to now say, hey, this hurts Lamar Jackson, but does it make me believe that he's closer to just sticking his tail between his legs and accepting? I, I keep coming back to that. Like this thing that you guys, you it's like this, like, this is the comeuppance. Like he's just got to come on, come on back, and be grateful for the offer he had. I don't know what about Lamar Jackson tells you that that's likely to happen. Whatever your opinion is, you're right to have your opinion. Everybody's got the right to their own opinion. Lamar Jackson's opinion is, I want to play for this amount of money. This is what I want. I want to base it off what Deshaun Watson got. I don't want to base it off of what Jalen Hurts got. I don't care what Jalen Hurts got. Here's what Deshaun Watson got. I want to base it off of that. 
and I get it. You feel like that's nonsense. But Lamar Jackson at no point has relented. So maybe today's the day he does. Maybe. I I just don't know why would we why would we assume that? Why would we suddenly assume that today is the day that he says, All right, fine. Fine. I get it. It's not happening. I'll just take what it is that you want to offer me. Might he? I guess. But I I can't make said assumption. Again, it's just very difficult. I don't know how it's going to affect. I think that Tim brought it down too far, so I do think that I'll, of course, correct that for sure tomorrow. But 81? 81? I don't see it. All right, let's get a tidbit. Uh, Tidbit is brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. This is it. Uh, two last two days today and tomorrow then it's gone the the Gunnar Henderson cover then it's gone and then as we announced last Friday it will make way for a, a new issue of Pressbox which will celebrate the pipeline that still exists this sort of conversation we continue to have there'll be an illustration on the cover featuring uh, Jackson Holiday and a system that remains really loaded for the Baltimore Orioles um, as the summer goes along so you'll be able to pick that up starting Wednesday at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box. Yes. Uh, all right, so I looked into it. The uh, players who have hit 35 home runs and had the lowest on-base percentage. Ah, okay. There are seven players that have had a 300 on-base or lower and hit 35 home runs. Seven players? Yeah, there are seven players. I don't think you'll get them. Dave Kingman. Oh, uh, okay. I was, was going to give it a shot. Uh, you want to do that? Uh, I mean, if you're saying they're difficult, go they ahead. Are, they're a little difficult. Uh, D- Dave Kingman appears on this list four times. He had four seasons okay. where he had a 300 on-base or lower. Chris Carter one of them? He is not one of them. Okay. He had... Uh, Never had 35? Uh, no, he hit 35, oh, but he okay. was he, he, his one base that year was like 304 or something. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Chris Davis on here. Where, where did Chris Carter go? There he is. 308 was uh, okay. his one base in 2014. Um, do you want to try to guess? No, I don't really. I All mean, right. Tony Armas. Uh, okay, that would have been tough for me to come yes. up with. You're right. Um, 254 was his one base in 1983. <laughs> Holy yes. And he hit 36 home runs. Holy yes, that's bad. 254. So we'll we be okay with Malcastle V. I mean. 254. I don't know, dude. Right now, that's that would be an upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Um, Adam Duvall, two years ago uh, in 2021. Okay, so that's an interesting yes. comparison, right? Yes. Like, that's the Duvall comparison. Now, he's not playing first base. He's playing in the outfield. Yep. And is thought of as a, you know, a capable outfielder, right? Like, that's an interesting comparison to what a sort of bare level would be. And again, I'm also giving him 35 home. Like, this is, you said 35 yeah. home runs? Duvall hit 38, 281 on base in 2021. So and that's that's brutal, but yeah. I, I I get it. They won the World Series that year, yeah. by the way. Yeah. He, like he was significant. Uh, Kyle Seager also in twenty twenty one two eighty five on base when he hit thirty five home runs. Wow. Uh, Joe Carter had a two ninety two on base when he hit thirty five with Cleveland in nineteen eighty nine. Okay, so at the oh at the beginning of his career. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then twenty thirteen Pedro Alvarez with the Pirates two ninety six on base when he hit thirty six home runs. Okay. And Sammy Sosa. Had a, had a 300 exactly on base in 1997 with the Cubs when he had the, when he hit 36. How about that? How yeah. about that? Um, and we think of Sammy Sosa as a, a better overall baseball player, yeah. right? Like, so there is somewhat of a precedent for this, I, I, I suppose. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the Rays have now homered in their first 16 games of the season is the longest streak to open a season behind only the 2019 Mariners, who homered in their first 20 games of the season. Um, so hopefully the Rays finish the season just like those Mariners did. You know, not good. 
Jimmy Butler is the fourth player now to record 35 points, 10 assists, and three steals in multiple playoff games. He joins Russell Westbrook, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. Big company for Jimmy Butler. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely I mean, it's definitely good company. There's no doubt. Uh, 35 points, 10 assists, three steals across multiple playoff games for Jimmy Butler. Uh, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, they become the first pair of teammates who attended the same college to each score 30 points in a playoff game since Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon did it for the Rockets in 1995. Okay, how about that? They're also the second duo to ever score 30 points when the, both players uh, made their playoff debut. Who they joined the 1993 Hornets with Kendall Gill and Alonzo Mourning. Ah, those are my first yeah. two guests. Yes, <laughs> guesses. Uh, so also the this is the fourth time that the he- Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks are facing off in the NBA playoffs. Okay. The previous three times uh, that the that they played in the winner the winner of this series went on to reach the NBA Finals, um, including the last two that went on who went on to win the finals the 2013 heat and then the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks how about that so maybe uh, you know when the bucks win this series just well, assume they're going to win I mean, the they got to turn things around in order to do that it was a really weird weekend i enjoyed like I, I i said this on the radio show yesterday we don't give enough credit to the first weekend of the nba playoffs as far as the great um, sports weekends of the year one in part because it tends to line up with like when the weather's starting to turn so we like going outside yeah right like it's a tough thing for us it's such a good, like, the arenas are all electric. They're all jacked because everybody still has it. Like, nobody's played yeah. a game yet in the playoffs. They're all top four seeds that are hosting. All of them believe that they can win. Every fan base believes they can win an NBA title, right? So they're all, like, the scenes are immaculate in that first weekend. Um, you just go game to game to game to game to game. You got Gus Johnson last night. Like, I didn't no idea. Nobody told yeah. me that Gus Johnson was back working with Turner for the NBA playoffs, which is effing awesome. Like, that's so cool. Um, the first weekend of the NBA playoffs is dope, unless you're a Phoenix Suns fan, and then you want to hang yourself. They they were like six and zero. It was a it was a tidbit I decided to scratch. They were like six and zero in their last six game one game ones, which was the most, which was double more than anyone else sucks. in the in the same uh, same sucks time period. So much. And like, um, you know what sucks most about it is like they're down big, they battle back. You're like, all right, they're fine now. Like they're fine, right? Like they were down by 15 or whatever they were. So the season's over, is what you're saying? No, it's <laughs> not over, and I still think they'll win the series. But like, God, man, it's like this is why I when people kept trying to tell me they were the favorites to win the title going into it, I'm like, what? What have you seen that I'm missing? Kevin Durant on the court. I understand. Well, that's the problem. We hadn't really seen Kevin Durant on the court. That's part of the issue. We were deciding what it was going to be. When it was still mostly a hypothetical, we had eight games of evidence of Kevin Durant being on the court with the Phoenix Suns. We didn't exactly know what they were. And there's still some of that going on. Like, whose team is it supposed to be? It's always been Chris Paul in the final moments. It's always been he's your closer. But you've got Kevin Durant on the floor right now. And Devin Booker's the one who's doing all the dirty work defensively. Like, it, there are still problems there with guys that just haven't been around each other all that much to know... Like, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, they were able to work that thing out over the course of an entire season to figure out in those moments what does this look like. They have not had that ability in Suns are like eight games. Yes, yeah. exactly now nine games with last night. And you saw some of that in the closing moments last night where, like, everybody in the Clippers knew, get the ball to Kawhi. It's Kawhi's team. And he's going to keep jacking up threes. Nobody really still knows in those moments where is it supposed is Kevin Durant supposed to be the individual alpha? Chris Paul was still trying to take his mon- you know, mid-range shot. By the way, the, the Suns also, I don't think they can just mid-range and defend their way to a title. 
And that was what they were trying to do last night was mid-range and defend their... They, there's so many... DeAndre Ayton shooting mid-range jumpers is not the way that you're going to win an NBA title. Did you make a pick uh, last week? Who, who, who's your finals pick? I don't know if I actually... Yeah. did say anything about it on the... Because I was asked to do something for the print issue of Pressbox, and I kind of like took an easy way out on it where I was like, I wouldn't make a championship bet. I would decide who it is that I wanted, that I think is going to win the title, and then I would bet their best player to win MVP, except for the Suns. Like I said, literally... Oh, I'm giving it away. You'll be able to read about it. I was like, whoever you think is going to win the title, don't bet that. Bet Joel Embiid to be finals MVP and get better odds. Unless you think the Suns are going to win the title, in which case just bet them to win the title because I don't know. Like, I assume Durant would be MVP, but we don't know in those moments because we still don't know who is going to be the one to singularly become the answer. DeAndre Ayton, maybe. Yeah, probably not DeAndre Ayton. And the number of times – DeAndre Ayton, I got a lot of thoughts, man. I defended them, like, over the the Luka decision for years because I was like, DeAndre Ayton is a good fit with the other guys that you have on the floor. But Jesus Christ, get an effing rebound! You're getting abused by Zubox. God! Nobody cares. My, my I'm doing a one-man <laughs> show right now. No one else cares. My my pick, even though they both lost, lost this week, I'm going to stick with Suns over the Bucks. Sons God over bless you. I hope that ends up being the case. Um, I, I don't. I really don't know. I, je- I like. I've never been more confused about who's going to win the, the Kings. Title. I don't think it's going to be the Kings, but damn, did they look good the other night? That that game was awesome. That was a great scene. The right. Grizzlies. Just get to. Is no, there? Is there? Yeah, is I there? do have a trivia. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So Paul Goldschmidt. Probably not the Grizzlies. Not known uh, for stealing bases, but he now, or well, he has the record for the not the record. He's the active streak for most consecutive stolen bases in Major League Baseball. He has not been caught stealing since 2019, as he has now stolen 25 uh, straight bases successfully. Longest streak in major, longest active streak in Major League Baseball. So I wanted to ask you if you could name, if you know what the longest consecutive stolen base streaks are across uh, Major League Baseball history. Um, the, the, the guy in first, 50 straight stolen bases. Ricky Henderson? Not Ricky Henderson. He's not on this list. There's So I, I have nine guys that I'm... Because he just... That I'm looking for the most consecutive. Are you steals. serious? I think you should be. I mean, okay. And Ricky Henderson's not yeah, on the he's list. Not, he's not one of them. Oh, sh- this is easy. Then Maury Wills. No. Okay, dog. All right, uh, fine. I guess I'll. I'll, I'll Tim I'll, Raines. Tim Raines is third. He had 40 consecutive steals uh, with the with the White Sox in the 1993 season through the 95 season. Brady Anderson. Brady Anderson, 36 consecutive stolen bases with the Orioles. Uh, he is tied for ninth. I vaguely remember that, but 1994 only, into 1995. Only vaguely remember it. Uh, uh, Gene Segura. No, not Gene Segura. Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman has the record for most consecutive stolen bases, uh, most successive, most successful, most consecutive successful steals. 50 for Vince Coleman with the Cardinals. Okay. Um. So he is one. Uh, I'm not sure that I. All right, I'll. I'll I, there's hang on, hang on. three that I definitely think you should get. So once we get those three, I'll, I can give you the rest. There's three more that you think I should get. Yes. How about Ichiro? Ichiro is second on this list. 45 consecutive stolen bases in the from the 20, 2006 season to the 2007 season. 45. Lou Brock. Not Lou Brock. Um, Barry Bonds before he became a power hitter. No, not Barry Bonds. He was a, Bonds. He yeah. was a hell of yeah, a base stealer. He's not, though, uh, on this list. How about... The two that I think you should get are both on this side of the millennium. Kenny Lofton. Oh, not Kenny Lofton. 
This side of the millennium, yes. Nobody steals bases anymore. That's actually the terrible time. These two guys did. Did they, though? This guy, from the end of the 20, 2007 season into the 2008 season, he has the fourth longest uh, streak of consecutive bases stolen. Jose Reyes? Not Jose Reyes. Name starts with a J. Name starts with a J. Jimmy Rollins? Jimmy Rollins with the Philadelphia Phillies. 39 straight stolen bases from 2007 to 2008. Yeah. And then this guy's tied with Brady Anderson. 36 consecutive steals with the Oakland Athletics. Coco Crisp. Coco Crisp. 36 straight steals from 2011 to 2012. Uh, also on this list, uh, 36 steals for Paul Molitor and Max Carey of the 1922 yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates. Ah, he yeah, set stunner. The, he, I wasn't able to he get He held that. this record for a long time before... Oh, uh, Max. Yes, before Davy Lopez came along to... Uh, How about that, Davey to break to, to set the new record in 1975. And, that, and then Stan Javier also uh, between the A's and the Giants in 1995 and 1996 at 37 straight steals. That rounds out your top nine. You don't know that Davey Lopez was once a uh, base coach for the Baltimore Orioles. Was once he really? Time. He was on, I want to say, Johnny Oates' staff yeah. with the Orioles. And I uh, somehow convinced, I, like, at one point in my career, I mixed up Davey Lopez and Davey Johnson somehow. And it was a very embarrassing moment for me, back when people used to care about those types of things and you were supposed to get things right. All right. That, uh, that doesn't matter anymore. No. Okay. At this point, well, no, I still <laughs> like to have a standard, but the business has basically stopped caring about it. All right, uh, let's get a tubular. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, NBA playoffs continue tonight on TNT. Net Sixers game two at 7.30. Warriors-Kings game two at 10. All of a sudden, very important for the Warriors. I mean, I say very important. They, They just have to win one on the road like it's... I don't know. It starts to feel very important. It starts to feel like, like this, this can start to get away from me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe if they just go back and even up the series, they're mm. just as likely to win Game Five as they are to win Game Two. Like I don't. Or do they do two three two in the first round of the NBA playoffs? I think. Yeah, I think it is two three two. Yeah, I genuinely don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs get underway tonight on ESPN. Panthers-Bruins game one at 7.30. Kings-Oilers game one at 10. ESPN 2, Islanders-Hurricanes game one at 7. Wild-Stars game one at 9.30. Angels and Red Sox playing right now. They normally start at 11 a.m. on Patriots Day. I think they got backed up. Yeah, there's a rain. Noon for, yeah, rain, I believe. Then that's on MLB Network. Also, Phillies-White Sox at 7. Mets-Dodgers at 10. Liverpool leads at three on USA Network, then WWE Monday Night Raw at eight. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, no, not tonight. <laughs> okay. Chris Evans is going to be on a Fallon because they got that ghosted movie coming on Apple TV Plus this weekend. Okay. With Ana de Armas. And oh, right. I don't know. Chris Evans. And I didn't Ana get. To, I didn't get to watch SNL, so I don't know. If it was. I don't know. It was fine. I didn't. Okay. I didn't, I didn't watch. I didn't really watch. But the, well, then of why the, would of you the say highlight it, clips? Why would you of say the highlight it was clips? Fine. It looked like it was fine. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll just say it anyway. <laughs> You can, just say, you can just say, I didn't either. That's okay. That's adding something. You can just say, I, I, I also like one sketch. I also didn't watch SNL. I have no leg to stand on to offer a thought about it. So I'm not going to do that. I did watch blink 182 set at Coachella. I did do that. I spent my Friday night with Blink-182. How was it? Uh, they, they actually sounded great. Like They sounded great. They're coming to the arena, except tickets oh. are like a billion dollars, so I don't know if I'm going or not. I want you don't have a billion? Yeah, believe it or not, I don't have a bill lying around. And that's like more out of principle. Like I cannot spend this dollar figure on these tickets. I'm not going to do that. 
Like, I love Blink-182, and God bless them. And they sounded great. They really did. I thought they sounded excellent. There are people on the internet who are like, oh, I don't think they sound good. I'm like, do you understand it's Blink-182? Like, it's not like, this is not a classical band. This is not someone with the voice of Andrea Bocelli that we're talking about. It's Blink-182. They sounded just as good as they've ever sounded. They're not great singers. They're just not. It'd be like judging Anthony Kiedis by his singing. Like, that, these aren't great singers to begin with. You kind of accept what it is that you're getting when you watch Blink-182, and I thought they sounded really, really good by their standard, and they're still fun. So, I mean, I, I thought they were, like, they were really trying to bring back the, the 90s. It's like, dude, like, there are certain jokes that I just don't think you're supposed to make any longer in 2023, and they were doing a little bit too much of that shtick during the course of their set, but um, they sounded really good. I stand by it. They you you have to spend a billion dollars. Are you spending it? To go to the Blink-182 concert or on Adley Rutschman? Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Okay. Plain and simple. All right. Uh, yeah, I did that. I, what else did I do this weekend? Oh, I, I, I cuddled puppies. I did oh, do that. We had an event with Show Your Soft Side. It did look good. Puppy cuddling station. And the boys were like, there's also a concert going on. Uh, Jimmy Charles, the guy that did uh, It's a Maryland Thing You Wouldn't Understand, which was very popular. He, he was on American Idol and all mm. those things. Um, and he was great. I mean, he was. But American like, Idol tonight. That's cool. Okay. The, the boys were not nearly as interested about the concert as they were in the puppy cuddling station, and I couldn't blame them. They were like, "Can we walk back to the puppy cuddling station?" I'm like, "Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. We can do that." Um, what was the whole Love Is Blind thing from last night? Everybody there was, was a reunion, uh, and it was supposed to be live, but like I Netflix so, screwed yeah. it up or something like that. Yeah. Not a great sign if they're trying to do more live events. More love is blind. Not great about They, I mean, I guess the Chris Rock thing worked out. So okay, but that's one for two. <laughs> that means that you're fifty percent. That ain't great. I mean, great if you're a hitter in baseball, but not great otherwise. All right, Tubular was also brought to you today by AJ Michaels, expert and award-winning AJ Michaels heating, AC, plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More AJMichaels.com. Thanks today to Tim Barbalace. Thanks also to uh, Jeremy Kahn and to Mike Bordick. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Radio.com. Anything? Stuff and things. Great. We're killing it. Killing it this week. Stuff and things on the program. Patrick Stevens will join us. We'll uh, preview a big week. Uh, Navy, Army, and Hopkins, Maryland lacrosse this week. So we'll preview those with Patrick Stevens. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.